0: Are you ready? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Let's get ready to rumble. Can't wait.
2: This, this, this is Marvin on the mic on the A1 Sports Network.
1: Bow to the masters. Break it down. How you doing, everybody? Welcome to the Moffat on the Mic radio show. We'll skip all the pleasantries. I'm Craig. He's Clem. Uh, we are here tonight, as always, Monday night, right here on the A1 Sports Network Facebook page, and it is Clem. Mega guest Monday is here. Oh, man. I've been thinking about this all day at work. I was thinking about this all weekend. I- I'm so ready for today, man. You can follow the show on Instagram, as always, at Moffat on the Mic, and on my Facebook page as well. You can follow Clem and the A1 Sports Network on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, Mega Guest Monday, this will not disappoint tonight. Uh, just in about any minute now, we should be joined by the one and only Jake Asman, host of the Jake Asman Show, Monday to Friday, 9 to 11 on the Sports Map radio network. Uh, he's going to make us feel a little bit better our, about ourselves, about being Jets fans after last yesterday's just disaster of a loss. And uh, we're going to get into talking about some Yankees, some Knicks, some Mets, and uh, a lot of other stuff as well. And 10:15 uh, is one of our personal favorites. The one and only Christine Nguyen going to join us. We're going to talk some football. We're going to talk some movie stuff, what's going on in her career right now, and uh, just maybe even life after the pandemic and stuff. So she's always good for a lot of laughs. We always look forward to having her on. We always appreciate her taking the time to join us on the show. Clem, how are you feeling, man? Feeling good. Long day of work. You know, I've already chugged through two...
2: Cups of coffee today. I'm drinking my energy drink now, so I'm ready to
1: go. I'm ready to rock and roll. You know what I love about my job? When you get those emails from your senior sales manager that say, can you block eight rooms for Lou Lamarillo? (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm putting a file together today. They're like, oh, can you just turn this definite and just make a file for it? And I look at the contract. Mm -hmm. Columbus Blue Jackets hockey. Oh, my God we freaking hosting the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's nuts. So, yeah. So I don't want to give away too much more than that, but I might get in trouble. <laughs> um, but, no, yeah, so, look, we have a lot to do. We're waiting for Jake right now. We're just – you know, he's going to be on like any minute. Um I'll just keep babbling on until he gets here. Um, you know, last night, yesterday was just one of those games, I'm going to be honest, that I'm willing to give – Joe Douglas and Sala, the benefit of the doubt, because I wanted them here. I, I love having I love having Sala as my coach. I think Joe Douglas has done a good job for the most part as general manager with the moves he's making. Um, but the one thing, even if you are a young team, that I cannot tolerate is when you look like you are disinterested in play.
2: No, yeah, you're absolutely right. And let's hold that thought or continue that thought as I like that.
1: Couldn't have asked for a better springboard than now. (laughs) All right. Joining us now on the Moffat on the Mic show is one of our personal favorites. Um, I don't know. I think this is, I don't know if you've hit double digits on our show yet, but we always look forward to you taking the time to hang out with us. Um, You always make us feel better about being Jet fans, even through (laughs) the hardest of times. So in that sense, we welcome the one and only from the host of the Jake Asman show, Jake Asmer.
0: guys, I appreciate the uh, the introduction. It's always a pleasure to be on with you, and uh, it feels like I'm always on with you after a brutal Jets defeat. So all is right is all is right in the world.
1: <laughs> well, the way we look at it is, you're on our speed dial after a Jets loss. You know, after the toughest of Jets losses, I said to Clem, I'm "Like we got to call Jake." Like,
2: <laughs> it usually goes like suicide hotline. Then Jake Asmer "Is yeah. our second call." So You're number two. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty
0: big. <laughs> I mean, where do we start, right? That was (laughs) a disgrace. It felt like Gase is still coaching the team, man. It's just, you know, I I don't even know what to say. Like, that was so bad. No one thought this team would be good this year, but I thought they'd be competitive. And the last two weeks have been such a disaster. And we got 14 games left still of this. I just, like, it has to get better. I cannot do another year of this, guys. I
1: can't. Right now, Adam Gase is sitting in his couch. I it's wherever he's I would think an undisclosed location because if Jet fans found out where he lived, he'd probably be murdered. Um, and he's just sitting there going, "No, hey, you can't pin it on me. <laughs> it's not my fault. i like, It's like, hey, excellent. <laughs> okay, so let me just – here's the thing. I'm still really happy with Robert Sala. I'm still really happy with Joe Douglas. I know this is a young team. And I'm willing to take the good with the bad. I will not be one of these Jet fans that immediately pivots to, we should have kept Sam Darnold or, you know, name, insert former Jets player that's doing well away from the team. The one thing I can't tolerate is a young team looking disinterested in playing At this stage right now, now we're only three weeks into the season, how does Sala get these guys
0: back on track going into week four where you have to play Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans? Craig, it's a great question, and it's a tough matchup. I mean, the, the Jets have played the first, the second, and the third best defense statistically so far in 2021, so they've gotten no favors with the schedule. Tennessee does not have a great defense, though, so maybe the offense can get rolling here. They're at home. you know. Maybe – yeah. I just – I don't know where to start with this team because – You know, you go back to the Patriot game, other than the quarterback, I thought they played well well enough to really compete, maybe win that game, but Wilson was so bad. This game yesterday, I mean, no one played well. I mean, yeah, Quentin Williams was okay, but offensively they were horrible. The penalties were bad. I thought the game plan by Lafleur offensively was terrible. So, I mean, it was just an awful game, and I get it. Young team, got to be patient, but – we're also Jet fans, and we waited 10 years since we last saw this team in the playoffs. It's a brand-new regime, and I don't think it's asking that much to ask this team to compete. Like, they were 10-and-a-half-point underdogs. Can they make it a game? I mean, they haven't scored a touchdown in two games. So I understand the frustration of every fan, but unfortunately, you know, all we can do, Craig, is, is kind of what you said. Just be patient because it is a new coach, a new quarterback, first-year play caller. So you got to just hope it gets better. You got to hope that the, they hired the right guys and those guys will figure it out as the year goes uh, forward here. But the thing is too, with me is that all week long, and
1: I saw LaFleur's press conference on Thursday when the coordinators get to finally speak to the press and the vibe, you know, they all said the same thing. They're just, you know, Zach's itching to get back out there and, you know, the guys are really ready to go and they're itching. And then they put that out on the field. Yep. and on top of that, this—I I, I, mean—I Con- was listening to Connor Hughes' podcast because I'm a big fan of his work. He's very—he's very good, and he just said he goes in the nutshell: if Zach Wilson can finish the season with his head still attached, I mean, the Jets are lucky because he's just getting destroyed back
0: there. Yeah, he's on pace to get sacked. I think I heard today 85 times. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, like <laughs> it's not sustainable. He's going to get hurt. Like, it's David Carr. It's David Carr all over again. And that's what worries me. Yeah, look, they, they, they got to protect him better. I mean, it goes without saying, Like, you know, Greg Van Roten has been terrible. McGovern hasn't played well. Obviously, losing Becton's a big blow. But, you know, part of it, I think, is Wilson just getting the ball out quicker, getting easier completions for him, like protect the kid. I just feel like the – Jet Wilson hasn't been good, but I feel like they have put him in just some untenable situations early on here, and the only thing you can hope for is that – it's fixable that you know if if they're playing like this in december we got a real problem long term but it's still just is three games we had the one game where wilson looked good against the panthers but the defense played well in week two like they haven't played a full game yet like where they were where all three units kind of come together like hell even special teams you have a delayed game on a field goal kick like what are we doing <laughs> like it's just everything about that game yesterday was infuriating to watch as a as a diehard fan like the three of us are and the worst thing is guys I'm watching this game in, in Vegas, right? I'm on a sports book. All the games are on, and I'm making myself look like a lunatic as I'm out in public, like screaming and yelling about the Jets. And oh, it's just that like was,
1: that was you they dragged away on security video. Okay. Yeah. You looked familiar, but I don't want to like, nah, I can't, change, <laughs> right? Literally, dude. I'm it's just like my
0: wife is like, Oh, that guy's on my show tomorrow. I totally
1: forgot.
0: <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I mean, I just I'm fed up, man. I really am. Like I I I I still believe in Joe Douglas. I still believe in Robert Sala. I'm not giving up on Zach Wilson after three games, but it's just frustrating, man, because we were hoping to see some progress, and I still think we'll get there, but we're three games in, and it just feels like more of the same from last year and the year before, and that's really frustrating if you're a fan.
2: You know, one thing, you know, not talking about the frustrating things that we've seen, one of the good things we've actually seen is this defense has actually looked, you know, pretty good so far in these first three games, you know. So, like, where do you think they can – with them being such a young offense, a lot of rookie and sophomore guys playing, you know, where do they go from here if
0: the offense keeps playing like like it does? I think you just got to hope that the offense picks it up eventually. They can't be any worse. Like, like it's the NFL. They, they've gone two games in a row without scoring a touchdown. Like, yeah. that's really hard to do in a league that's built to score points, basically, but the way the rules are now. So, you got to assume, right, I, hopefully – they, they're going to be a little better offensively going forward here. But I agree with you, uh, Clem. I, I think the defense has played well enough to win some of these games. Like, Ben, no break has kind of been the approach so far. Um, I mean, it's a shame they don't have Carl Lawson, obviously. But all the talk coming into the year about the Jets was, you know, how bad their corners are and, oh, they're going to get torched. That really hasn't been the case. You know, Michael yeah. Carter, I thought, played well. Bryce, uh, Bryce Hall has made some plays. Um, like, I really have been impressed. With the secondary so far, it has not been a weakness on this team. The weakness has been the offense, and I get it, rookie quarterback and all that, but they should still be better than this, man. I don't think, as Jeff fans, we're asking uh, too much to see this team score at least a touchdown a game. Like, they've gone two games in a row without scoring a touchdown. That's a disgrace. Like, that has to get better because otherwise you know, the defense is going to get torched and burnt out because they're going to be on the field way too long, and over the course of the full season, they're, they're going to be worn down, and, and that's going to be a real problem as well. I mean, one thing I'm
1: seeing is they are getting to the quarterback. They're three sacks again this week. I mean, they're three sacks against the Patriots. Quinn and Williams had a big game yesterday. He was probably the one main positive, I guess, if you had to really is, I guess, it's a silver lining. But I guess my question is, is, you know, with Salah, it's just all we heard all summer was all gas, no break. And, you know, go to bed better than when you woke up and all that stuff. And then we hear from the players about how they love the guy and everything. And I've seen this a thousand times. And, you know, Connor McGovern said, I think it was Thursday when I guess they interviewed him uh, for his his press brief press or whatever. And he said something along the lines of like, oh, nobody, you know, we really have the morale's really high in this room and everything. But we always hear about these guys, they want to run through a wall for the coach, but then you never actually see them run through the wall. They just stop short of the wall. <laughs> So the yeah. question is is like why why it why are we not seeing this team right now? They love Salah as much as they claim. And it's a young team, and I get it. And the, the younger guys are actually playing a lot better. The, you know, they're playing well. But why aren't we seeing this team take just steps forward under Salah? They should be having a party that they're not with Gase anymore. But now it just feels like we're just right back to where we started.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's something to that. I mean I think you got to look at each game and, and what happened in each game, right? Like I thought they played hard week one. They just, they, they didn't get it done. They, they, you know, Wilson was making his debut. We got sacked six times in that game week two. I thought they did play well at every position besides quarterback. So that was just a brutal loss. This game's concerning because they were just bad on offense, dumb penalties, you know, Justin Hardy is a yeah. captain is getting a, you know, a penalty on special teams. So, you know, that that's concerning. You know, the thing with Salah, like, like at the end of the day, you know, what makes a really good coach, good players. And the Jets don't have enough of those right now. So do I think over the course of this year, the young players they do have should continue to play better. I do. I'm just, I'm with you, Craig. Like it's, we, you know, I don't want to hear how great the Jets practice this past week. Yeah. Nobody cares. Like they're practicing against the Jets, they stink. So no wonder why some guys play well at practice. So it's, it's, it's very frustrating because we heard it with Rex at the end of his time. We heard it with bulls, right. We heard it with Gase. Like, I just, Jet fans deserve better, man. Like we're not, we weren't even asking for a win yesterday. Like I just wanted to see the Jets compete. Like you're ten and oh, a half point underdog. All I want is progress. I just yeah, want progress. Week yeah. two. That's Make all. You and I said that last week.
2: Yeah, just it's, want to it's, see it's, progress. We, we, that's yeah. That's always – Like I coming into this season, I wanted the Jets to win six games. That's what I thought, max and five games. I don't care. But I just wanted to see guys like Zach Wilson do good. Avt play well. You know, Corey Davis proved himself as the number one wide receiver. And unfortunately, we're not seeing any of those things right now, and that's what's frustrating as a Jets fan. I can handle a loss. Losses come up that come out the ass for the Jets. That, that that's not that's not a problem. That's not, nothing. We're not. Matt, Clint, don't forget,
1: we're Mets fans too. So it's oh. just wow. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, Jake Jake can lean on the Yankees at least. You know, so he he can he can go back to that if he's just feeling bad about the Jets. But <laughs> I mean, Clem and I just we got nowhere to turn at this one. I know the hockey doesn't start for another two weeks.
0: Yeah, we got we got the Knicks and the Islanders. Who would have thought the New York Sports Fan would be saying that, right? I mean, it's you're right though. I mean, I I, I get it. Like it's I, I'm I'm at a loss for words too watching it, man. Like it, yesterday was was really really disappointing. Like I, I through three games, the week one I could live with the result. Like I, would I have liked to have won that game? Sure, but I thought the Jets were gonna be like that this year. Like it, the losses right. would be competitive. Like they'll steal some wins, but they're gonna compete. Yesterday they didn't compete. So they got to figure it out. Like if they have another, like I don't care how good the Titans are compete. Like it's the NFL. I, I cover the Texans now locally on radio here. Like the Texans are not good, but they have been in all three of their games. Like they won week one. They were tied at the half with Cleveland in week two, despite losing Tyron Taylor for the second half. They made that a game in the fourth quarter. Then they made the game on Thursday night with Davis Mills as their starter making his debut. They made that a game. Like the Texans have fought like the Jets to show some compete. Like no one expected them to win yesterday, but getting shut out 26, nothing is a joke. And I don't think it's asking too much from a professional football team to score a touchdown to go two games without a touchdown is an embarrassment. So that has to get better right away because the honeymoon period for Sala LaFleur, that's over with man. It's been 10 years without the playoffs. Joe Douglas, your honeymoon period. That's over, man. This offensive line is your creation. Like you can't blame McKagan. Can't blame Gase. Like, This team should be better, and they better fix it. They got 14 games to do it. That's what I'm saying, But
1: which leads me to that, because, you know, listen, Douglas was pretty aggressive in the offseason, at least I thought he was, bringing in Lawson, getting Davis, you know, bringing in guys like Keelan Cole. and, and, And to an extent, it's not his fault that these guys got hurt. You know, it's not his fault that Lawson's out for the season. It's not his fault that Davis got hurt in the Packer game and has to miss a few games. It's not his fault that Beckton keeps getting hurt. How much of this do you think is on Douglas compared to just making the players more accountable?
0: Yeah, I I don't know just yet. I guess we got to see how the rest of the year kind of goes because, like, obviously, you can't blame Douglas for the entire 2020 draft class basically getting hurt at the same time. They are.
1: And the thing is, like, I've been reading it and it's, like, starting to piss me off a bit because, you know – we used to be we used to say, yeah, th- we got to give it at least three years before we can really, really get a determination on this draft class. We're barely going six games now before we're determining this class to failure. And that's from a lot of the jet B writers. When you read, you know, Samini, who to me is one has become the new Manish. He's the new pot star, I think, in New York, because he's always kind of like it's always these articles that are just about well, the 2020 draft class is a failure because, you know, P. Ryan is inactive and Mims is inactive and beckton is hurt. Brayden Mann getting hurt is not Douglas's fault. I mean, the guy sacrificed his life and he paid the price.
0: Yeah. I mean uh, – There's something to that, Craig. I think I think it's too early still, but at the same time, I think it's fair to criticize Douglas for some of the moves he's made, specifically if this offensive line doesn't get better. Now, I get it. You know, Mekhi Becton's a big part of that O-line and he's hurt. But, you know, McGovern was his move. GVR was his move. Drafting Barrett Tucker was his move. Signing Moses was his move. Like, and Douglas, like, he, he promised Sam Darnold's family he'd protect him. That didn't happen. Now you got a new rookie quarterback. That's so to what did when him to Carolina. Yeah. And, and Wilson's on pace to get sacked 85 times. right. So, like, I think you can criticize Douglas for that. Um, it's too early to know how he is as a GM, though. Like, this 2021 draft class, if he hits on Wilson, like, he might be a great GM. We don't know. He's also got now seven picks in the first three rounds this upcoming year. So he needs more than just two years on the job. I don't count, you know, 2019 where he got hired in June as a year for him. Like, this to me is his second year as a GM of the Jets because the first year to me was BS without being able to draft players and spend the the free agent money because yeah. McAgnon did that. So it's too early, but at the same time, I think it's fair to criticize some aspects of the job he's done so far. Technically speaking with the 2020 class though, they didn't have OTAs. They didn't have any type of a mini
1: camp. I mean everything was really condensed. On top of that, they didn't even have any preseason games. I don't know if that really would have made much of a difference, but I kind of feel like this year is like the big it's like the official full season for that class because they finally got to OTAs. They finally got to mini camps. They finally got to a, a normal training camp and they got three preseason games out of it for the season where they got playing time. I mean, I, I just can't kill Douglas yet. I know everybody's already, you know, the fan base is ready to run him out of town, which is a, to me, it's a huge mistake.
0: Yeah. Well, the fans are just pissed. I mean, that's it. Like, people are just, are, like, people don't cover it as closely as, like, we do. Right. And, like, so I, I get it. I, look, I, I still think Joe Douglas is a good GM. I'm not out on him. Like, if Makai was healthy, that'd be a great pick right now. Like, unfortunately, he got, he's dealing with an injury. Like, I, I'm not ready to, you know, say the 2020 class is not any good. Well, so, well, at the same time, P. Ryan not playing is not a great look. Ashton Davis not playing is not a great look. Obviously, what the hell is whatever's going on with Denzel Mims is not a great look. So I think you could criticize Douglas for the draft class. I don't think you could criticize him, though, at, for what he is as a GM, because I think the trades he's made have been really good. Like, I, I don't think anyone could deny trading Jamal Adams was a major win for the Jets. Trading Sam Darnold and getting a second and a fourth, I think, will end up being a major win for the Jets. It's going to come down to, did he hire the right coach? And did he pick the right quarterback? Like, ultimately, Joe Douglas won't be here long-term if Zach Wilson stinks. Like, he's not going to get another chance at taking another quarterback. So, I think evaluating Douglas at this point, you can't do it just yet. There's been some good. There's been some bad. It's going to come down to whatever Zach Wilson ends up being. And I hope he's great because that would mean Joe Douglas did the right thing.
2: You know, one thing we've, I've noticed, at least throughout these first three games, is, you know, the wide receiver core. We – that was one of the big things we mentioned during the offseason. There was we gotta revamp the wide receivers, we gotta revamp the wide receivers. And that's exactly what happened. We got Elijah Moore, we got Corey Davis, you know, Denzel Mims was coming back, Jameson Crowder, Braxton Barrios, we got Keelan Cole. And one thing I've noticed is there a lot of these guys are dropping the balls that Zach exactly, oh, God, I exactly can't that more than anything. That's and that's what's killing us on a lot of plays, too, because you know, I would say maybe half of the interceptions that Zach's thrown so far have been tipped balls. So, like, what what do you think the
0: problem is with these wide receivers right now? It, it's inexplicable, man. And, like, that that's honestly what angers me the most. I even, like, sent a tweet about this earlier today. Like, I understand Zach Wilson hasn't been great, right? He's had some moments where he's played poorly. I, I, I totally understand that. But, man, no offensive line is helping him. He's had a very little running game through three games, and the drops are just asinine, man. Like... The interception, one of the one of the two we threw yesterday, one of them was right off Braxton Barrios's hands. Catch the ball, dude. Like are you gonna play exactly. over there? No Mims, catch the ball, Corey Davis. How many drops is this guy gonna have so far in, in three games as a jet? Like they're paying him big money. Catch the ball. And you know, Elijah Moore, week one. I get it, he's a rookie, but if he catches that pass, that bomb that Wilson threw in stride, you know, that that maybe changes the whole outcome of the game early on. So there's been moments, man, where Wilson's made the right play and his receivers have failed him. That has to improve. like, And if it doesn't improve, then why isn't Denzel Mims out there? Because you cannot tell me Jeff Smith is a better player than Mims. And don't give me the, oh, well, you know, Jeff Smith's a great gunner on special teams. Like, who cares? Denzel Mims made plays last year with Adam Gase as head coach and Sam Darnold and Joe Flacco throwing him the ball. Let Mims play. Like, I think it's an asinine uh, opinion by the Jets that Mims can't be on the field because – he doesn't know all the receiver spots. Who cares? Design some plays for what he can do. It's no coincidence that the Jets had a huge play with him on the field in week one, 40 yards, a big pickup. Like, it just that that frustrates me, man. Like, that to me is coaching ego, and the Fleur Sala got to figure out a way to get the ball to one of their better offensive players. I mean, I was very high on Mims, and it's infuriating to me. We're three games in, two of which the Jets haven't scored an offensive touchdown, and Denzel Mims is a – you know a healthy scratch on game day. Like, what are we doing
1: I mean listen if, if I know Jamison Crowder didn't play on Sunday and everything and you know to me it's just okay well if Crowder's not going to play then you should activate Mims I mean I'm one of the guys that's like look we have a lot of depth of receiver right now so I'm okay I'm I'm okay with kind of letting Mims grow into a role if that's what it takes but if Crowder's not playing and you need another body, then, yeah, I'm going to probably choose Mims over Jeff Smith. I'm probably not – I mean, that's a no-brainer. So I understand I mean, where Salah is.
0: Very right. Yeah. Like, like, just – it's stupid, man. Like, the, it's it, – Jeff Smith should not be playing over a second-round pick who made plays as a rookie. Like, come on. I mean,
1: and look, I, I do agree with you. I think it is a little bit of a coaching ego with Salah and Michael Floor because they have, they have their type of receiver. Like, they have a specific type of receiver that they love, a versatile guy who could play multiple positions. That's why they went after guys like Keelan Cole. They could have traded Jamison Crowder. They elected to keep Jamison Crowder. And you have Braxton Berrios. So you have three slot guys who can also – Berrios really can't play on the outside, but Cole can and everything. But you're right because, again, if Crowder's inactive and he's hurt or he's sick or whatever it is, it's really kind of a no-brainer that at that point that Mims should get the nod to get into the game. So while I do understand what Sal is trying to do, and I do, I think he's trying to turn Mims into a complete receiver. At the same time, you need playmakers. And the thing is, the drop passes just drive me nuts. Like that, I can't, I can't stand. I, I didn't see the whole game, but I was listening to Connor Hughes today, and he said that Michael Carter dropped a pass. That if he would have caught it. He would have still him. been running. He would have still yeah. been there.
0: Yeah. So, like, it's, it's not just Zach Wilson, man. Like, that's why we got to be patient with him because like, – Like, I feel bad for
1: him. Like, I, I actually feel bad for him right now because the entire team – and then you have freaking Greg Van Roden who is just – okay. It's one thing to sit there and, you know, you already know you're playing like crap. But now you're going to the media and saying, well, Zach's got to do a better job of getting rid of the ball quicker. Is he for real? Is he out of his mind?
0: Yeah, it's it's not a good look. Like, the, the full quote is not as bad as, like, that taken out of context. But, like, dude, you've been the worst offensive lineman in football this year according <laughs> to PFF. Like, he, he has been, like, the greatest – Like he has graded out as the worst guard in football, I'm pretty sure, through three games. Like has to be. No, no one wants to hear that, dude. Like, shut up. Like, we get it. Zach Wilson – probably does need to get the ball out quicker in some spots. He's also a rookie making his third career start. Like, like, shut up, dude. Like, if, unless you're like Alan Fanica can make that comment. And it's like, okay, you know, it was a Hall of Famer. I get it. all like, Fam- could say that comment. Okay, fine who the hell is Greg Van Rompuy? Like, what are we doing? It's just everything about the Jets, man, through three games. Like, the optimism I had about this team coming into the year, like, it's fading real quick if they don't start competing. I'm not even asking for wins. Like, that's what's so frustrating. Like, the Jet fan is very realistic. We were hoping for this team to show progress. And to have a game like that yesterday is just – it's unacceptable. This team should be better than that. I'm sorry. They should be.
1: Jake, the Jet fan is not realistic. You know that. Because at the first
0: half of the Carolina
1: game, they were like – they were begging for Darnold to come back to New York.
0: Those are the loud, loud minority. I think I think most people left that game feeling like, all right, they, you know what? They made it the game. Wilson looked really good in the second half. Last week, the Patriot game, Wilson was just awful. Yeah. Yesterday, like, what do you say? You, you didn't score a touchdown. You lost 26 nothing. Like, come on, man. Like, compete. Like, like the only like, guy who played well was Quentin. Quentin Williams is the only guy who
1: played well yesterday. That yeah. was it. Yeah. I mean, the rest of the team was just a disaster.
2: Yeah, and like, and like I said, like, I, I, one of the things I look forward to after Jet Games is listening to the fifth quarter show and, like, some of these fans calling in, it's just, it's just brutal to what they want to say. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. we got to get rid of – they're already off the Zach Wilson train or anything. They're like, we should have stayed with Sam Darnold. I'm like, no, we shouldn't have.
0: Like, you have no idea. Can you imagine if like,
1: Sam Darnold – Sam Darnold, like, throws a pick in week one for the Jets. Crucified. Oh, He's
0: done it. Yeah. You couldn't bring him back. The first three and out at MetLife, he'd be getting moved. Like, <laughs> he can't do it, man. Like, I, I, I'm rooting for Sam. I want him to do well. But but, but I, I've, I've watched every snap of two of the first three Panthers games because they played the Jets week one, and then I was at the game on Thursday here in Houston where, when Sam played the Texans. And, like, yeah, he, he looks comfortable. Like, he looks good. He's not turning the ball over. He doesn't have a happy feet in the pocket he had last year. But he also has way better weapons. A great OC, you know, Christian McCaffrey up until his injury. Like Sam, Sam is not a bad quarterback. But the Jets were not built. The Jets failed him, and by doing that, needed to hit the reset button with a new regime coming in. You couldn't keep him. So the Jets yeah. just gonna move on from that. Like, there's no rule that says both Zach Wilson and Sam Darnold can't both be good. I think they both will be. But like, I, like the the stick. Oh, we should have stuck with Sam. These are the same people that'd be booing the crap out of the Jets had they stuck with Sam. Because if they stuck with Sam, guess what the Jets record would be right now? Probably oh. 0-3. Yeah.
2: The, one, of, one of the things I saw after week one, it was someone tweeted it. It was like, wow, we finally figured out what Sam Darnold was missing all these years. Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's what my brother said. <laughs> my brother went to the game against Carolina, um, and he said, because he lives in Carolina, and he kind of said, he's like, he goes, listen, Sam played well but he's lucky to have Christian McCaffrey because yeah. McCaffrey saved him a lot in the second he had half.
0: 200 yards of offense. I mean, you know, McCaffrey had um, a nine, nine catches for almost 100 receiving yards. Notice in the second half, though, like when the Jets got back in the game, McCaffrey only had one catch in the second half. They lost by five points. I mean, the Panthers scored 19 points in that game. It's not like Sam Darnold lit up the Jets, and he was fine the other night against the Texans. I know he played well against the Saints, but, you know, through three games, He's looked fine. I'm happy for him. I feel like if the Jets had competent pieces around him, he could do the same thing. I question the ceiling for Sam Darnold. I don't know if he's going to ever be a top 10 guy. If he's only capable of being in the top 15, if he's Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins or in that like realm of quarterback, are you ever winning a championship with that? And the answer is probably no. So I don't know what the ceiling is for Sam, but I feel like Wilson's ceiling, if he hits his potential, I feel like that's a higher ceiling than whatever Darnold's ceiling is.
1: All right, let's jump around to other teams. I, I, the th- I think the therapy session, I feel better now. I've, you know, <laughs> I'm talking to you. I, I feel better now, you know. Clint will just be like, yeah, you're right. You're right, you know. I just, so I feel, you I,
0: know. I just, What's that? I was yesterday's game was just. <laughs> it was just a tough watch. It, it really <laughs> oh my
2: God.
0: It's awful, man. Like, we, we, we deserve so much better after the last two years. The, really the last 10 years, but specifically the Gase era of Jets football. To have a game like that yesterday, like that is just brutal. Yeah. I mean, the thing is with me is it, and I know Sal is an even keeled
1: guy and all that stuff. And it's kind of like what I don't want in sometimes in my coach, especially after a loss like that, because I think he always looks for the silver lining and everything. But in reality, there is no silver lining. It was a brutal game. And actually, I'll tell you a funny story real quickly. So back in August, I took my daughter to the green and white scrimmage at MetLife. And the week of the scrimmage, I get a call from a ticket rep from the Jets, trying to sell me like a group ticket package and all that stuff. And I had told the woman, I said, listen, you know, I, we'll see what happens. I said, I'll wait to the, you know, maybe later part of the year. So about two hours before I get started here, I just happen to check the voicemails on my house phone. And it's that same woman from the Jets, only this time she sounds completely beaten up. <laughs> jet fan because she probably called thirty jet fans before me and they just destroyed her on the phone.
0: <laughs> that's a tough job, man. You're trying yeah. to season tickets after the team gets their rear ends kicked like that and they're zero and three. She's like a tough job. She sounded it. She's like, hey, Craig, it's
1: from the New York Jets, and you know you would come to the green and white scrimmage. She just sounded exhausted. Like jet fans are just a blue, just ripping this poor woman apart. I'm like, she's like, I didn't pick the coach, <laughs> right? So it scary. just made me laugh. I was like. Cause she knows the next answer she's going to get from everybody is I'm not buying group tickets for this team. Right. Now.
2: Yeah. You're probably, you were probably like the 20th person she called and like the 19 people before her were just like, why the fuck would I ever want to buy t- season tickets to
1: this I team must, after what they just showed me on Sunday? I almost want to buy tickets just to make her feel better. Just cause like, <laughs> just so she gets a
0: win. <laughs> right. They got to start winning games, man. I mean, that, that that's the, that's the reality. I mean, like the, the, the jet fan came out week two, the home opener, they were loud. Like they were ready. And, to see the quarterback, you know, had that type of performance, it's it's very disheartening. And obviously to follow that performance up with just the team performance offensively yesterday, it's terrible, man. And, like, this, this team – no one thinks the Jets are a good team, but they should be better than this. They should be competing week in, week out. Yesterday they didn't compete. Like, that has to get fixed right away.
1: Okay, so yesterday probably – I mean, if it's bad enough being a Jets fan, it's got to be tougher being a Lions fan. Okay, <laughs> yes. So my question to you is, what do you think was going through a Lions fan at that stadium watching Justin Tucker not only kick a 66-yard field goal, but it hits the crossbar and then goes over to be good as time has expired?
0: You know, I'm sure there's a lot of, like, anger from some Lions fans, but I also feel like there's probably some, like, you know what, we're not going to be good anyway this year. Like, another, another, another loss closer to getting the first pick in the draft is, is maybe how they're looking at it. I don't know. Like, like I, I one of my good friends here is actually a Lions fan, and he's so, like, disinterested in the Lions. Like, if they win, great. If they lose, like, he's like, whatever. Like, he's just so – like, he's a bigger Rams fan than he is Lions fan now because he loves Stafford so much. Like, that's where the kind of – the Lion fan is at. I think there's a lot of Lions fans that are Rams fans for at least this year. So, I don't know, but that's brutal. And just how good is Justin Tucker, man? I, I mean, know.
1: That's, that's insane. That amazing. is absolutely insane, like, that kick and, like – just the way, like, it wasn't like it was good by, like, five additional yards. Like, it hits the crossbar and then goes over. I mean, you can't ask for a more gut-wrenching loss than that.
0: It's so, Being a Lions fan, man, like, the Lion fan and the Jet fan, you know, we could sing kumbaya together because, like, we, <laughs> we, we, we know what pain is like in football.
2: So, since you covered the Texans down there for ESPN Houston, was it like surprising to see a guy like, you know, who you didn't expect to be a quarterback starting the season in Tyrod Taylor, was it surprising to see him play pretty good week one and then, you know, like half a like
0: half a game in, uh, good in week two? Yeah, I, um, I was surprised by how good he looked. I, I think Tyrod Taylor is a decent quarterback. Like I think he is, you know, he's the perfect bridge quarterback. Like that's why he's done right. this so times in his career it's a shame he got hurt is what I'd say about Tyrod because yeah. I, the Texans could be three and zero if he's healthy, like they, they were playing much better than the Browns in week two, they were tied at the half, but the Texans were better in that first half. And then Tyrod hurts his hamstring and that's it. And honestly, if Tyrod plays last Thursday, the Texans could have won that game. They like, they, it, like, it's not like the Panthers were just dominant. You know, it's the Texans started a third round rookie quarterback making his, you know, season de- starting debut. So it's, it's, it's got to be so frustrating for Tyra because this was finally his opportunity to be the guy like Davis Mills was not going to take his job if he was playing well and to see injury, you know, yet another injury kind of derail him here. That's, that's just brutal. He, he had right. been playing well though. And you know, the, the team loves him. Great leader, all that. But you know, if you can't stay on the field, it's tough to be a quarterback in the NFL. You know, one thing about Tyrod
1: is I don't think he gets the appreciation sometimes he deserves because he doesn't really make a lot of mistakes. He's a decent quarterback. I mean, he's not elite. We already know that. But he, you know, he doesn't really turn the ball over too much. He just always seems to have a good grasp of the offense, you know, just to kind of do the short passing game and stuff. doesn't have the greatest arm in the world, but man, like, like you said, last year when he was with the Chargers, he had to go for that emergency like surgery because somebody nicked an artery or something like that. And he never gets the right job kickoff, yeah. You know, like that's just, that was just, I mean, the guy just has, if the guy didn't have bad luck, he would have no luck whatsoever.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it's unfortunate, right? I mean, he's the quarterback in Cleveland the year they took Baker Mayfield and, well, he gets hurt against the Jets. and then He never gets the job back after that because Baker came in and obviously played well. Uh, that that's, that's what's frustrating. I think if you're Tyrod Taylor, but you know, I, I think the good news for him is like if he comes back healthy within a couple of weeks, I don't, the Texans aren't tanking. Like, so I think they would go back to Tyrod because they want to compete. They want to try and win games. That's how, that's kind of the organizational philosophy. We could debate whether or not, you know, that's actually smart or not, but it's just, it's unfortunate because he was playing so well. Like, I, I am really convinced that if he's healthy, the Texans might be 3-0 and right now. And when you consider the Colts 0-3, Jacksonville 0-3, like, if it's just them and the Titans competing, like, that'd be kind of interesting to see how it would have played out. But obviously now that's not going to happen. The Texans are 1-2. and They're going to get killed by Buffalo next Sunday and be 1-3. and And their season's probably over. But it's unfortunate for sure. You
2: know, one thing, you know, that's kind of been – I guess a bright side to how bad the Jets have looked, to Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones have not looked really any better. I mean, Mac Jones a little bit better, but Justin Fields or we haven't even seen so. Trey Lance yet look any better. So I guess that's a one bright side the Jets have right now
0: going yeah. for him. Uh, we, we we talked about this on our radio show today. Like, the combined record of rookie quarterbacks so far is 1-10. And the only one is Mac Jones over the Jets. And that was more Wilson just losing that game than, like, anything spectacular Mac Jones did. He didn't even complete a pass longer than 20 yards yeah. in that game against the Jets. But, yeah, I mean, I think we've been spoiled by just how good the rookie quarterbacks have been in recent years. Like, what we saw briefly from Burrow last year. Obviously, how good Herbert was. Baker a couple of years ago. Uh, Kyler in 2019. Like, We've kind of been spoiled lately with these rookies coming in and playing so well right out of the gate. Uh, It's kind of understandable now that maybe, you know, four of these first round quarterbacks that are playing have struggled thus far. So look, I I think Trevor Lawrence will be good. I think Zach Wilson's going to be good. We just got to be patient. And it's frustrating when you're a fan having to be told to be patient, especially when you're a jet fan and it's been 10 years without the playoffs. But, you know, unfortunately Zach Wilson had nothing to do with the previous nine years of you know, no playoffs for the Jets. So we got to just give him a chance and hope that he figures it out as the team, you know, hopefully gets better around him this season.
1: Now, I always loved the pick of Justin Fields to the Bears. My thing was that Matt Nagy shouldn't have been the one to develop them. And what I think is going to happen is Nagy's going to get fired. They're going to bring in another coach who's going to te- try to teach Justin Fields an entirely new system that he may not be comfortable with. And that could maybe pro- be a setback for Justin Fields in his second year. But the one question I wanted to ask you, Clem, we've had her on a bunch of times. We've had, the, we've had a, a friend of ours on a Jacksonville radio station, Taylor Dahl. And, you know, we always talk about, we always kind of rip into Urban Meyer a bit when we talk on the show. So over the past few weeks, the fact that Urban Meyer is now 0-3, the fact that Trevor Lawrence is not off to a good start, the fact that he complained in the offseason about free agency because he's used to face-to-face meetings and all that stuff, the fact that just this week alone, he said that every week in the NFL is like playing Alabama. Mm-hmm. My question to you is, how long? Oh, wait, I forgot the other one was after the first week or second week of college football, USC fired Clay Helton. Right. And Urban Meyer was the first person that everybody started circulating rumors about to take the job. How long do you think Urban Meyer is going to stay in Jacksville? Not get fired. I'm thinking... More like quit.
0: Yeah, it's it's a fair point to, to raise. It really is. I, I didn't like the hire from the beginning. I felt like Jacksonville had the most attractive job that opened. Like, low pressure, you're in Jacksonville. Uh, you you have no state income tax. You get the first pick and the most salary cap space, and the first pick was going to be a, quote, generational quarterback. So I never understood the Urban Meyer hire. Like, why, why bring in someone that's never done it at the NFL level? Seem, didn't Didn't seem to make sense. And so forth through three games, he looks in over his head, if we're being honest. Now, I know they weren't a good team last year, and it takes time with them, just like it takes time, of course, with the Jets. But, uh, I mean, Craig, I'm skeptical like you, man. Like, I, I said he's out in two years. Um, the way this is headed here, I mean, would it shock you if he left after the year? I mean, I guess it just depends how bad totally. Jackson ends up being this year.
1: Jake, I could totally see him bolting after this year. Like, I really could. I could see him just quitting. Because again, and this is why, I am never a big fan of the college coaches coming to the NFL because they come from nothing but winning programs. Like just every, they're always winning, you know. And Urban Urban Meyer is basically saying, "Well, I don't get to play Rice this week. I get to play the Colts or (laughs) Tennessee or whatever it is." It looks like he's already showing signs of frustration with being in the NFL.
0: Well, think about today.
1: He trades C.J. Henderson to the Panthers.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I
1: knew that was I mean, we had he had mentioned he was thinking about shopping the guy during the offseason. Now he trades him right after this game against Arizona. It just the moves he's making are strange. On top of that, you know, Trevor's not off to a great start, but that's not really Trevor's fault. I'm not going to you know, I I won't kill Trevor at all because it's not we just got to give him time just as much as we give every other rookie quarterback. But man, if all signs the way that things are failing The way his comments are, if I didn't know any better, Jake, I think he's
0: second-guessing himself coming to the NFL. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, think about this, right? He lost seven games in nine years at Ohio State. Yeah, Seven. He's lost three already this year. Like, this guy is not used to losing games. Like, if if Urban Meyer only loses, let's say, seven games all year with the Jags, he'd probably win coach of the year. Like, that's just a different dynamic going from Ohio State where you never lose games to – The Jacksonville Jaguars who won one football game last year. So I I didn't like the hire. I just don't think the guy's built to handle losing. That's just not something in in his DNA. So I'm with you. If he if he quit after this year or blamed it on health reasons, I wouldn't be (laughs) Blamed it on health
1: reasons. (laughs) Love the air quotes,
0: man.
2: Yeah, you you, I mean we all know what's coming. I know nothing's been official with it yet, but What's going on with Deshaun Watson? Like he hasn't been suspended by the NFL or the Texans or anyone. So where is he? Why isn't he
0: playing that? Yeah. It's a good right. <laughs> <If> I, <laughs> only I knew, man, like I've done uh i I've been doing afternoon radio in Houston now full time since August. And the amount of airtime we have dedicated to Deshaun Watson. I mean, my God, nobody knows. I mean, I mean, look, he wants to be traded. He, he doesn't want to play for the Texans. The Texans do not want to put him out there if he doesn't want to play for them. Cause like, how would that work with a quarterback? Oh, go out and play for us. Like we'll probably just fake an injury. Like Jalen Ramsey did uh, Deshaun's agents, the same agent that, that, um, that worked with Jalen Ramsey. So th- that's like the, on the field stuff, but why isn't he playing? Like the Texans don't want to put him out there and like he hurts his trade value. He gets hurt. The other aspect in all this is like, They want to trade him. They want to get a King's ransom for him, but who's giving them a King's ransom when there's still an open investigation from the Houston police department into whether or not there'll be criminal charges. Who's giving them a King's ransom when, you know, at some point here he's going to get a suspension. Like, even if there's not criminal charges, like, like recent history tells you you're going to get some sort of suspension. Like look what big Ben got something. Zeke, Oh, Zeke got six games. Like Deshaun Watson has 22 lawsuits filed against him. So, like the Texans want to trade him, but they're not going to just give him away. And thus, I think this is kind of just something that plays out all year. We go to the offseason. And eventually, when there's some sort of resolution legal-wise, I think then they move him. But until then, like they're not just going to give him away for a bag of used footballs, like what they did with DeAndre Hopkins. Like Nick Casario is stubborn, I believe, in a good way, into making sure that he gets proper value for Deshaun. Like, think about it, guys. Deshaun Watson's 26. He's signed long term. He's a top five player at his, at his position, the most important position in all of sports. They don't want to get fleeced, so they're prepared to just basically pay him to not play for them this year, knowing in the offseason they'll probably be able to get a lot of teams in on him, and they'll deal him then. So we're kind of just in a holding pattern right now. It's bizarre. It's unprecedented. But the fact that he doesn't want to play for them on top of the legal issues, that's kind of put us in this spot where we've been in for months.
1: We're going to go back to the Texans with David Culley. In your opinion right now, do you think the Texans are playing hard for David Culley?
0: Yes, I've been impressed with how they've been coached, not just Culley. I think Lovey Smith's done a decent job as the coordinator of defense so far. And I give credit to Tim Kelly. You know, Tim Kelly was there when Bill O'Brien was the uh, head coach. And, you know, he's supposed to be like a Bill O'Brien lackey. People thought they only kept Tim Kelly because, you know, he's close with Deshaun. And it was their way to try and extend like an olive branch towards Deshaun. But Tim Kelly's done a decent job so far. Tyrod looked great before he got hurt. I thought Davis Mills was okay the other night, given the circumstances, he didn't turn the ball over. Um, I think the Texans have been pretty well coached. Uh, it's a shame that they don't have the Sean Watson quarterbacking them because otherwise you know, they, they would certainly win a lot more games than they will be without him.
2: You know, I'm going to switch it over to baseball, and I know you're a big Yankee fan coming off a great weekend of Yankee baseball.
1: No, 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 no. Don't 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 Look, jump! I'm trying to hype it up. I, I my, like, my broom's in the other room. Should I get it out after
2: the Yankees <laughs> and us
0: go Boston over the weekend?
2: Look, I, do, I have, I've I've been very vocal that I don't hate this Yankees team, and I'm a big Stanton fan. And when he hit that grand slam on Saturday, I was like, ooh, let's oh no, he's out. jumping
1: on the bandwagon. There he goes. No,
2: I'm never. I will never. There he goes. I will. He got never one foot out the door game. flushing.
1: <laughs> but
2: ahead. you know what? The with the Rays being so good as they are and what's the chances that the Yankees actually have at getting a wild card spot
0: uh wild card I feel like gun to my head I think they'll get it one of the two spots I mean their schedule is tough I mean you know yeah you swept Boston great all right now you got to deal with three games with Toronto and they're going to be desperate to try and win those games the Yankees can't take their foot off the gas then they wrap up with the Rays now you know the Rays probably will have everything clinched by then as far as you know the number one seed so that should help the Yankees chances but they, they got to keep winning games, man. I mean, they put themselves in this spot. You know, you thought when they won 13 games in a row, all right, they're going to coast to a wild card now. But the way they played after that that winning streak put them in this position where they had to go into Boston and sweep just to be the top wild card spot uh, once again. So they got to they keep the foot on the gas and, and keep winning games. I mean, this weekend was amazing. It was incredible to see the big hits that Carlos Stanton had. I mean, anyone that boos this guy, you're an idiot if you're a Yankee fan. Like, this guy has been great. Going back to the playoffs last year and what he's done this year, staying on the field. I mean, he lead, him and Judge lead MLB in, like, high leverage uh, hits this season. Like, they both have been great. I and mean, this is, like, what every Yankee fan was hoping to see when they made the trade for Stanton after 2017. So, um, they got to just keep winning. I mean, look, they, they put themselves in a hole this year. Like, the goal for the Yankees wasn't to be one of the wild card teams. It's to win the World Series. So, their goals are still in front of them. It's not going to be easy, though. Like, the the AL playoffs are, to me, a, a giant crapshoot. Like, I don't know if there's one dominant team. I think you could argue for any of the teams that get in, they would have a legitimate chance to go on a run.
1: I mean, the schedule I was just looking at was pretty crazy this week because the Yankees play Toronto and they play Tampa. But like you said, Tampa could, you know, maybe they just want to go into the playoffs with no – not risking any injuries, you know, with those last three games. I think those are Yankee Stadium, too, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Boston plays the Orioles tomorrow for, I think, or tonight for a three-game series, and they close with the Nationals. So they get two pretty bad teams. And then Toronto gets the Yankees, and then they get the Orioles. So depending on where the teams are that Friday, Tampa may be like, well, look, we could knock the Yankees out right now. Toronto can kind of sneak in if they take care of Baltimore. I think they pretty much dominated Baltimore all season, too. The schedule is very, very interesting, but the
0: Yankees sweeping that series was monster. It was huge, huge. Like they, they, So, you know, they couldn't get swept, obviously, but really, like, losing two out of three would have been crushing. So the fact that they won all three games, like, that, it, it's, it's ginormous. I mean, you give credit to the Yankees, but we've seen this. We've seen them play really well at times this year. Can they sustain it now for six more games, get into the playoffs as a wild card, and, you know, you send Garrett Cole out to that game, you feel like you have a chance, obviously, but you, you just don't know. I mean, if Cole pitches in the wild card game, even if you win that game, Well, then you go into the divisional series and you can only pitch them once, right, in game three on regular rest. So uh, they they put themselves behind the eight ball. But at the same time, we've seen wildcard teams win championships before. So you get in, you have a chance. And, you know, a lot of Yankee fans have been frustrated by this year. And believe me, I'm certainly one of them. But, like, when I root for the Jets and I've been a Knicks fan my whole life and I've been an Islander fan my whole life, like, yeah, the Yankees haven't won a World Series in 2009. And that's a long time, believe me, especially for the standards the Yankees have for their team but like the Yankees every year always give you a team that has a chance. And like, compared to some of the other teams in this town, like there's something to be said for this team, always giving you a feeling that they have a chance to win. Like, like I know it's not a championship always, but I think Yankee fans need to appreciate the fact that the Yankees are once again, basically like carrying the torch, so to speak for New York sports.
2: You know, and one thing me and Craig both agreed on last week when we talked, it was uh... If the Yankees do make the playoffs, you got to think they're going to the World Maybe. Series. Is they're, they're one of those teams where it's just like they make the playoffs. They can easily, easily make a deep run in into in the
0: ALCS, if not the World Series. And they could easily lose in the wild card game, too. Like, they're, they're very streaky. Like, if, they, if the Yankees are – if the Yankees play like the team that was 35-11 and 11 from, like, July 11th on, you know, including that 13-game win streak, then, yeah, they, they could go on a run. But – I wouldn't be shocked if they lost three straight here to the Blue Jays. Like Every time I start to believe in the Yankees, they let me down. So I'm very excited. It was awesome watching that week, that weekend series. I mean, that Grand Slam that standing here was – I mean, that was iconic. Like That was un believable that, that happened in that spot. But at the same time, like six games left, they got to keep winning games. Like they haven't done anything yet.
1: So you're a Yankee fan, and keep your tradition with the show. We got to ask you a Mets question, just how mm-hmm. it works. So, Clem and I last week were talking about this because there was a rumor going around It started with Ken Rosenthal and The Athletic, that basically Ken Rosenthal is pitching that the Mets need to consider bringing in, as a kind of a tandem, Billy Bean and Bob Melvin to be, I guess, the general manager. I don't know if Billy Bean would be the general manager. I think he'd be like the president of baseball operations and Bob Melvin. I am a thousand percent against Billy Bean because I think we're just going to get like another kind of Will Ponds kind of era because he's just never really negotiated big contracts with big players. And now that Cohen is the owner, the Mets are just going to want, Mets fans are just going to want big time players coming. In your honest opinion, do you think that Billy Bean would be a good answer for the Mets right
0: now? I don't think it's the wrong answer. My preference, if I could get anyone, if I'm Steve Cohen, I would pay Theo Epstein whatever he wants and just have that guy just run the operation. I mean, the guy broke two curses, Boston and Chicago. How about be the guy that could win a championship with the Mets for the first time since 1986? Like that to me would be the guy I'd go after. I think Billy Bean would be an upgrade over Sandy Alderson, though. And And here's the thing. Like, yeah, Billy Bean didn't, doesn't spend a lot of money, but that's because he's with the A's. Like, imagine Billy Bean with the ability to go out and spend money. Ah, to going, like, Funny you mention that,
1: because I heard this garbage with Sandy Alderson last year at the beginning of the season. Right. And quite frankly, outside of the Lindor trade, the Mets didn't really spend a ton of money. Yeah. They nice. only gave McCann the $10 million a year contract, which is a bust. Mm-hmm. And they gave Trevor May a two-year deal for $16 million. And the, you know, the other signings like VR and Kevin Pillar were great. I, I felt there were great role players for the team this year. VR was a monster. I mean, that was definitely one of the more underrated signings the Mets have made in a long time. But, you know, I, I hear that. But then I look at Billy Bean's track record and I just don't see it. And I ask myself, do I trust Billy Bean if the Mets really, really want to go get Javi Baez and bring Javi Baez back? Do do I see
0: Billy Bean negotiating a big money deal with Javi Baez? And I just don't see it. He's never been in the spot to do it, though. That's the thing. And, like, things are different with Sandy because, like, Sandy, like, like, I I just – I don't think we could really properly evaluate what Steve Cohen is as an owner just yet. Like, Sandy to me was more of, like, a way to get the – like, I don't think MLB would have approved the Will Pond sale to Cohen if Sandy wasn't part of it. Like, I think Sandy was kind of like the the guy that was supposed to be, like, the stewardship – from one ownership regime to another because obviously the other owners trust Sandy Alderson as a baseball person. So I think that was a big reason why Sandy was brought back in in the first place. I mean, that all being said, like Billy Bean would be an upgrade over what they had. And I I just think if you can't get Theo Epstein, like going for a guy like Billy Bean is not the worst idea in the world.
1: But getting a guy like Theo Epstein, I think will be a lot harder because the Mets have already announced that Sandy's going to be back next year. So the thing is, is that for me, it's like if I'm Theo Epstein, I don't want Sandy Alderson getting in the way of my decisions because, you know, like and that's where Theo Epstein is just going to be like, well, am I? who's making
0: decisions here, me or him? Yeah. I, I, so go ahead. I, I was reading that um Sandy was going to like kind of move more on the business side of things. Like like how involved with baseball decisions is he still going to be? Like that'd be the big question I'd have, too, if I was like – a baseball executive thinking about the Mets job. Like, do I have final say on decisions? Like, do I have full autonomy or am I going to have to be like looking over my shoulder? Cause Sandy Alderson has the owner's ear and whatever he actually wants is what's going to end up happening.
1: But the thing is also with Sandy is that, you know, they hired Jared Porter who was, I mean, we were excited to have him here. And then we find out that he's been sending racy text messages to a sports report, female sports reporter. And then Zach Scott's trying to win the, the GM job. And then the police find him sleeping in his car at four o'clock in the morning from because he was hammered. I mean, these things happen under Sandy's watch. Why would I want to trust my team with Sandy making the next decision as a general manager? And then the thing is, Sandy's kind of acting aloof, like he didn't even know what was going on. Like, to me, that's just strange. Like, I, I, I understand why Cohen would bring him back to an extent and – you know, I've said on the show a few times that I think that Cohen's fandom is going to get the better of him. It's going to be like his downfall because he's going to give money to players that don't deserve it. Right. But he might try to give Conforto a long-term deal because he thinks Conforto can, you know, re, you know rediscover the magic or a Syndergaard and all that stuff. So, I mean, I don't know. I just, Billy Bean is just an extension of Sandy Olsen, in my opinion. I, I just don't know if I would, I want to go through that. And I don't think Mets fans want to either.
0: Yeah. I don't know if there's one obvious guy to hire besides Theo. Like you got to just trust that whoever they do hire knows what they're doing. Like, and, and that's tough if you're a Met fan, cause you just, you're so desperately want to get it right. But that's really what it's going to come down to. Like, I think Rojas is definitely gone. So you gonna have a new manager and you gonna have a new front office. They got to get it right with these hires. Cause like, The the Mets were in first place for most of the year. Now they're going to collapse and finish like 10 games under 500. Like that's just baffling how bad this this, – like how it all unfolded for them. See, the one thing I'll say
1: about the Mets – I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Cut cut me off anytime you want. No, it's your network. It's your world. I'm just living in it. Sure, (laughs)
0: show
1: that. You know, I, I take a team like the Yankees. And the Yankees are the type of team that when the chips are down and they need to win a series, they go and win it. OK, you know, the, the series against Texas was a way for them to kind of just say, OK, we're going to beat the crap out of this team for three games and that's going to bring our confidence up to go play Boston. And they go and sweep Boston. What bothered me the most about the Mets is, is that they won that series against the Yankees at City Field. Lindor hits the three home runs on Sunday night. That's a monster game. OK, they take two out of three there even getting into a brawl with the yankees i think would have been the best thing to happen to the subway series in like a long time because i just think it's it's a little played for me i'm just not really as into it as i used to be but you would think a win like that would have motivated the mets like just saying okay guys you know let's make a freaking run we just beat the yankees you know let's let's do that you know we you know going against st louis or philadelphia and then they just get completely destroyed by the cardinals in 3 games and then they lose two out of three to the Phillies and they get swept by the Red Sox and they get swept by Milwaukee. It was like, they've only won one game since that series, that Yankee series.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's terrible. It's terrible that they, 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 their inability to win big games has killed them all year. Like they have not been able to get on a roll. It's always been something that their offense doesn't hit one night. The pitching fails on the bullpen fails them. They just, it's been, it's been bad. Like I, and they, they clearly need more talent. I also just think Rojas, it's just not also a good manager either. Like, I think that's part of it here as well.
2: You know, to change the subject from baseball, about a month and a half ago, you went to the UFC 265 presser. How was that? And how was it like interviewing Dana White?
0: Awesome. Yeah. I'm a huge Dana fan, man. He's a, uh, he's a good dude. He really is nice guy. Like I've interviewed him a couple times now. And um, he, he's probably my favorite person to interview in sports. Cause like, you just never know what he's going to say. He's going to give you an honest answer. He's funny. He's charming. He's uh he's, He's awesome. Like if you're a sports talk show host, like Dana White's a great guest every time. Cause you always know he's going to be you know, honest, unfiltered. And he might say something that could create a lot of news, which has happened a couple of times that I've had him on the show. So big fan of him. I went to the, um, you know, the McGregor fight in Vegas. That was my first UFC card I ever watched in Vegas. Then I, you know, UFC came to Houston a couple months ago for the Derek Lewis fight against Cyril Gane, which was a ton of fun to watch in person. So uh, I'm a big Dana fan. I'm a big UFC fan. And um I'm trying to I'm trying to think when's the next big car? Because I know the the fight over the weekend was uh was epic. UFC 266 Yeah, I heard about the fight.
1: I heard that these guys beat the crap out of each other yeah. Yeah. Of, like, five rounds or whatever. Um well now that now that we're back into it, let's talk a little Island of hockey while we have you here. Um I wasn't a huge fan of what Lou did this offseason, mainly because I felt like he brought back the same exact team. The team that just lost in seven games to the Lightning in the uh, in the Stanley in the Eastern Conference Finals. You bring in Chara, who I love. I'm, I'm fine with Char. I don't care about his age and Parisi. But where do you see the team possibly improving when you're literally bringing back the same exact roster from last year, outside of Parisi and Chara?
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you, Craig. I guess they just see it like, all right, Andrews If Andrews Lee's healthy, do they beat the Lightning? Like, cause that's really what you're adding. Like they added Andrews Lee. You obviously bring back Paul Mary, you know, you mentioned it. I, I love the Chara move. I just think getting a guy that good, I don't care about his age, whatever he, he'll figure out a way to have a role. And probably, and I bet you, Chara scores a big playoff game playoff goal for the Islanders next year. Cause that's what he does. So I like that move as well. I, I think they just truly believe in the chemistry they have on the roster. Right. I mean, they're well coached. We they look at the best coach in hockey and trots, they just, they get great goaltending. They play within their structure, great defense. I think they just think getting Anders Lee back, like that's that's the difference right there. And, and you know, I, I think the Islanders' approach is, hey, we got a great team. We keep knocking on that door. Eventually we're going to break it down. And, you know, it's frustrating because on one hand, you know, they've lost to the best team in the league two years in a row. On the other hand, it's like you want to get to the Stanley Cup final and the Lightning have knocked you off the last two years from getting there. So um, I was just Kent expecting
1: I was expecting a big move this offseason, like Tarasenko or maybe even Gabriel Landeskog or something like that. I just I really especially with the new arena. Yeah. opening
0: Up in a few in like next month. But they don't I, need I, to do that, though. Like they like the arena is going to be sold out every Like the Islanders are going to, oh to the back finals finals in time or back-to-back conference finals in time for a brand new arena like basically sold out almost every
1: game like and and the like i was checking the other day for tickets because my dad wants to go to a game and like you can't touch upper deck tickets for less than 100 bucks
0: yeah Yeah. i believe it man like the people are excited about this team and the arena is going to be awesome and you know they're going to be really good craig are they going to win the stanley cup it's hard to win the stanley cup man it really is but like they are really good like it's like they have taken the best team in hockey to game seven and game six and or game six and game seven and, and back to back. You're like, they lost one, nothing in game seven. Like they're that close. Can they break down the door? That's the question with this team. I feel better now. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, st-
2: sticking with the colors, orange and blue. I need some early predictions on what the Knicks are going to do this se- off season. I mean, this season, because it looks like the East got stacked
0: once again. Yeah, you're right, Chris. I, I mean, I, it's weird. I think the Knicks got better as a team this off season, but I don't know if they're going to be the fourth seed in the East again, because hmm. like, I just think the East is, as you said, the East got a lot better. Like there's no doubt the Knicks are improved when you replace, you know, Reggie Bullock and, um, uh, Alfred Payton with, you know, Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker. Like you're a better team. RJ Barrett now going into his third year, he's going to be better. Like the Knicks are a better team than they were last year. No one can debate that with me, but the East is really good. Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Miami's improved. The Boston should be uh, solid still. I mean, you just – I can keep going with the teams in the East, and you're like, man, oh, what about Atlanta now with Trey Young and what he did? Like, it's, it's, it's hard to see the Knicks being better than they were last year, even though their team is better. So, I'm really excited to watch this team. I think the Knicks' success will come down to, you know, what type of leap do the young players on this team make? Can Kemba stay healthy? Um, you know, obviously Julius Randall, won most improved player. Is there another gear though? Like he's only 26. Like, is there another gear for Julius Randall to hit this year? I don't know. I think that's kind of the question you have, uh, with this team right now.
1: All right. One more question for me. We, uh, when we talk so much about the jets, we never really talked about the giants. They stink too. Yeah. I mean the giants two weeks in a row losing on last <laughs> second field goals as Clyde's time expires. Um, you know, for the Giants, I think the expectations were going to be higher this year, especially because they were very active in free agency with signing Kenny Galladay, they re-signed Leonard Williams, they you know they bring in I um, oh, forgot the guy's the other guy's name. But the question I have for you is how much of this is on Joe Joe Judge right now? And on top of that, when you see the stories about Galladay chewing out Jason Garrett on the sideline, you see the story about Kadarius Tony complaining about not getting playing time. I mean, is this, could this snowball into a disaster for the giants like quickly? And I'm not just talking about on the field. I'm talking about
0: more off the field. I think we're there now. I mean, I don't know about the off the field stuff, but like, look at their schedule. Like where are they, where are they getting a win? Like this was supposed to be the easy part of the schedule for a team that had expectations like Denver Washington, they blew the game. I mean, Dexter Lawrence jumping off sides at the end there. Atlanta, you have the lead late and you can't put pull pull them away. You only score you know, 14 points against a Falcons defense that came in really struggling. Like, where are they getting wins? I mean, they go at the Saints, at the Cowboys, home against the Rams, Panthers, Chiefs, Raiders, Bucks. Like, their schedule is brutal. Where are they getting a win? Like, this team could be 0 and 8 and it wouldn't surprise me at this rate. I don't think they're that good. So, I blame Joe Judge. I blame Jason Garrett. I blame John Mara and Dave Gettleman. Like, the Giants have lost more games than any other team in the NFL since 2017. Like, this team is disjointed. Third year quarterback, fourth year GM or fifth year GM, uh, you know, second year coach. Like, it's not. Jones, they're
1: not I all mean, bad, though. I don't think Jones has been bad, but. Which leads me to piggyback on the next question: Do you think right now Saquon Barkley is a bust
0: for for being picked second overall? I, I kind of do. No, I mean yeah. you can't no, stand really. and he's not he's not he hasn't been that good when he's been out there lately. Like he had a, he had a, a decent game yesterday, decent game. Supposed to be a game changer. Like the way Barkley uh, the the way the the Panthers use McCaffrey should be what we see from Saquon on a game-in-game-out basis. But we haven't seen that since his rookie year. Like, he's been hurt and ineffective since. So, yeah, I think right now the Barkley pick is a bust-of-a-pick so far, for sure. You know, uh, I got two more
2: questions. I know that was Craig's last one, but my second-to-last question is Jake Paul. I mean, what <laughs> – What is he like? (laughs) I gotta add like what do you I gotta get your opinion on like, you know, is this good for the sport of boxing? Is it bad for the sport of UFC because he's going up against UFC fighters and they're loo the UFC fighters are losing? I need your just a whole opinion on
0: Jake the Paul brothers in in boxing in general. I don't know. I don't think it's bad for boxing because people are talking about it, but it kind of just shows you the state of boxing that like Jake Paul could be one of the biggest boxers on the planet and the guy's not really a boxer right you know what I mean like right it's not a good look for boxing I don't think it's a bad I don't think it's bad for the UFC that some of their fighters have lost to him because like like Jake Paul's been strategic in who he's fought like Ben Askren's not a striker so we knocked him out easily like Tyron Woodley like hadn't won a fight in over three years and he's and like if you watch the fight like like Jake Paul's significantly bigger than he is so like Paul's been kind of strategic in who he fights like I don't think he's ever going to get in there with Tyson Fury or like Canelo. Like they, they would destroy him. So like, like, I give Paul credit for like bringing the attention to him and and getting pay-per-view numbers. Like there's a skill to that that not everyone can obviously do, but like, it just kind of shows you the state of boxing that like Jake Paul is like one of the more like profitable boxers right now. Like that's not a good look for the sport of boxing. But is
1: boxing a sport that nowadays, like this, is what they have to do just to gain relevance again? Because I feel like it only, it only caters to like a niche market. Like you have to be really into boxing from maybe even grown up on the sport, in a way. Because I couldn't even tell you besides Tyson Fury and maybe like uh, uh, Anthony Joshua and there was one other guy and Canelo of course, a triple G. I couldn't tell you who else is uh, is a boxer who's good you know, Holyfield is fighting, you know, with whatever, what one brain cell he has left. I mean, that just, just bad enough. I mean, it's just, you just see these things and how could you possibly want to drop a hundred dollars on a pay-per-view fight when the fights are just pure garbage?
0: Yeah. And like the the best fights don't get made. Like we've been talking for years about, Oh, Terrence Crawford should fight Errol Spence. Right. Like, why didn't that fight get made? Here? Like it makes no sense. Like UFC, I think beats boxing because like Dana and UFC could just make the best fights happen all the time. Boxing doesn't do that. So if you're a real boxing fan, like you have to like always debate who would beat who in a fight. Well, I don't know. Why don't they actually fight each other? They don't do it enough. That's the problem. Like how long did it take for us to finally get Floyd versus Manny Pacquiao? Like that fight should have been done ten years previously you know, ten years before it actually ended up happening so that's kind of like one of the boxing.
1: worst fights in boxing history because it was just nothing but hugging and just like it was it was the worst
0: so bad yeah that fight stunk.
1: that was
2: awful so my and my official last question is you being the Ithaca grad that you are <laughs> one are you excited that Cortica is back this year and two can you describe to whatever fans that we have listening to the show can you describe what Cortica is to them
0: I will describe to the millions of people watching this, guys, <laughs> the Cortica Jug is the greatest Division Three football rivalry on the planet. In 1991, Sports Illustrated called the game between Ithaca and Cortland, the Cortica Jug, the greatest or the biggest little game in the nation. It is a great rivalry. These two schools, obviously in in Central New York, separated by like 30 miles. Um, they play in football every year. In 1950, the two team captains for Cortland and Ithaca stopped at like a garage sale and picked up these jugs and decided to call it like the Cortica Jug, like that's what they'd be playing for uh, this year. So the name stuck, and I mean, it's it's a great matchup every year. Cortland's usually good, Ithaca's usually good, so they play. It's a big deal. And obviously in 2019, they played the game at MetLife and they had 48,000 fans in the building. And that was a Division three attendance record. Like 48,000 people. I mean, that's like, that's a sellout of Yankee Stadium. And you yeah. had that for a D3 football game. Now, speaking of the Yankees, in 2022, they're doing the Cortica jug at Yankee Stadium. So the Ithaca Bombers will play in the home of the Bronx Bombers. And I mean, it's a great game, it's a great atmosphere. And you know, if you're, if you're just a sports fan, you got to love the fact that division three football could get almost 50,000 people to show up and, and cheer on their school. So I can't wait for 2022. I got to book my flight now to go back to, uh, go back to New York for that weekend.
1: Jake, you're the man. Uh, thanks as always for uh, coming on the show and hanging out with us and talking some sports. We appreciate the uh, therapy session for the, the jet game from yesterday and, uh, you know, again, we always always appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us. Keep cranking out that YouTube stuff because it's awesome to awesome to watch. Uh, you got some pretty awesome jets, uh, beat writers, and special guests on. So, uh, really appreciate the time as always, and looking forward to your work again on YouTube and all that stuff.
0: Guys, thank you so much for having me. I mean, you you said therapy, so it's therapy for me too, right? I mean, so <laughs> I told you, you're number two next to the suicide hotline. That's how it works. <laughs> You know, I, one of these days we're going to do one of these interviews, these chats, and the Jets are actually going to win some games. Like that, yeah, I we're, forward not gonna that
1: no, we're not going to have anything to complain about. <laughs>
0: we're going to be like, oh, remember when Adam Gase was the coach?
1: Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Thanks again, guys. All right, take care of yourself, Jake, all right? See ya.
0: Thanks, guys. All
1: right, all right have a good one, man. That is the one and only Jake Asman, host of the Jake Asman Show, Monday to Friday, 9 to 11. Is he 9 to 11 now, or is he later in the day? Because I can't – I, I haven't I seen will... his stuff pop up on my uh, Facebook feed anymore. I
2: will give you his exact what he
1: does. He does – I know he's on ESPN. I just don't know when his uh, – like his time is The up. host of The
2: Wheelhouse on ESPN 97, uh, 97.5 weekdays 3 to 7. Okay. And he still, And he still is the host of the Jake Asman Show on Sports Map Radio
1: and a Chipotle connoisseur. I just I literally just read his his uh, Twitter bio. <laughs> we can only we can only talk so much about guac and uh, how how to screw over uh, Chipotle workers with double meat. Look, I'm not a Chipotle <laughs> fan at all whatsoever. So. Really? Ah, oh, dude, you don't know. What I'm a Mo's saying. guy. I'm a Mo's guy till I die. Dude, they just opened a Jersey Mike's by me. I'm like fucking waiting to go there. Like, I'm like I have not had a Jersey Mike sub yet. It's good. It's good. It doesn't live up to the hype. I don't think
2: it does. Maybe I had too high of expectations for Jersey Mike's, but it was good. It was very
1: solid, I will say. Well, I'll tell, you a fun, I'll tell you a very quick story. So a while back, you and I had been talking, and we brought up Cherry Valley, right? Spot okay. So, right so I said I remember that they had a Cherry Valley right in Rockville Center, which is one town over from where yep. I live. So I was on a day off. I had a, this is when I was working at the, ho- at the hotel at the New Yorker. And I had a day off and I was like, you know what, man, I'm going to go to freaking Cherry Valley because Clint talks this place up and I'm going to go get a sandwich. I was looking at the menu in advance to see what they had and like what looks good and everything. I'm like, all right, this is my sandwich. I get to Cherry Valley. They went out of business. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not driving a fucking Whitestone to go. It's like I was like, that's bullshit. I was like, I was was so dejected. I was so dejected because I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I was like, I've been dying for this shit. Like, I was so mad when I saw that. They had a sign in that said, like, oh, we're out of business. Or, like, they were closed, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're moving to a new location or, we're, you know, whatever. But I was so pissed off.
2: Yeah. I usually go to the one in, uh, in Hempstead. That's the one I usually go to. There's one in Hempstead? Where is it? Right on. um, is by Hofstra? Yeah. I'll wait, like. Minutes, but you know where the uh, White Castle is in Hempstead? Is in the ghetto. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been towards that way in a while, so I don't know what's there and what isn't. Yeah, but I I usually go to the one in Hempstead, and it's oh, so good. Oh my god, I, I love <laughs> Cherry Valley so much.
1: Well, unfortunately, Mega Guest Monday has taken a little bit of a turn for the worse. So we were scheduled to have Christine wen on right about now, but uh, she actually just texted me if kind uh, of during our interview with Jake. And uh, something has come up uh, and she's not able to be on our show tonight. So uh, we are rescheduling her for another day. Uh, we're probably looking for the show on October 11th. So Clem, make yourself available. And um, so we'll, we'll do it again. Um, look, these things happen. This is all part of life and we totally understand. Christine has been very busy these days working on projects. We always, we love the fact that someone of her stature, as far as I'm concerned, takes the time to come on our show and hang out with us. So we are always willing to be, we love, we have no problem being flexible. And, you know, we know that whenever she comes on our show, she's going to give us an awesome interview and she's always going to have a lot of laughs and have a good time with us. So we are looking forward to having her on again in the near future. So we apologize to all of Christine Nguyen's fans who might be logging on right now to, um, you know, maybe see her come on our show, but uh, unfortunately she had to reschedule and we, whenever she wants to come on, the door is open. She is more than welcome to be on our show anytime she wants, and uh, we look forward to having her. So, uh, unfortunately, she will not be on tonight. But um, maybe we just hyped up Mega Guest Monday a little too much.
2: No, I think we hyped it up enough because it's you know great. Jake obviously is one of our one of our favorite guests that we have on. You know, because he's been on. I probably, if I go back far enough, probably in the double. I would say the double digit range. Because, like, you ever watch? Do you
1: watch SNL? Every now and again, but you know that like a lot of times they have like the same guy, the same people as hosts, and they do yeah, the, with they, the Five Timers Club. Five yeah. Timers Club. That's Jake. Jake is. I think Jake has been on more than five times at this point.
2: Oh, Jake's definitely been on way more than five times. He was probably on five times when we were at uh, Worldwide. Yeah. Well, so. Let me rephrase that. The 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 show that should the station that should be uh, that shall not be named.
1: But um, yeah, the show that has their hands in like in the cookie jar for like fifty different things, and I don't know what they are. So, but if I remember correctly, when we started having Jake on, then they started ripping us off and started putting Jake on their shows. Right.
2: But so, yeah, Jake. Yeah. But Jake has been one of our more, more loyal guests. And Christine was probably, probably the first big guest that we've ever had. You know, and we, we've talked to guys like Anthony DeColmo before, you know, big writers, you know, obviously wrestlers like VSK and Jack Tomlinson, so, but she was like one of the first ones where it was like, oh shit, we have like a pretty. Well, the,
1: the funny story about Christine was, and uh, I, I mean, this is not like, a, I'm not gonna, I'm no way, shape, or form am I gonna, am I badminding her by stretch of imagination? But the story that how I got to, you know, get Christine on the show was I just happened to message her one day on Instagram. hmm private messages saying, introduce myself and just said, oh, I'm a host of the show. We're a sports podcast. But, you know, we definitely talk about a lot of, you know, entertainment, pop culture and all that stuff. And, and just ask if she would be interested in being on the show, you know, talk about whatever, you know, I, she had a YouTube uh, football pick show at the time. And, you know, we were going to do that. And then we we're going to talk about some other things, of course. And never in a million years that I think she was going to get back to me. Cause like right. she has, oh, she has close to like 30,000 followers on Instagram. You know, she's, you know, she's a big time, you know, she's always working. She's doing a lot of roles. She's in a lot of movies and everything like that. And then just out of the blue clip, she's just, he messaged me back saying, yeah, would love to do it. And I was like shocked. I was absolutely shocked the day that she came on our show. I was so happy. And like, she was such an awesome interview. Like because she's such a down to earth person. Yeah. She's a lot of fun to have on, like on the show. And so like, you know, that's why I always reach out to her and and like the fact this would have been her third time on the show for yeah. us. So just the fact that, you know, she's always making herself available for us means the world to me. I know it means the world to you. And um, you know, we love having these guys on our show. We, you know, sometimes it's something as simple as when you get people on multiple times, you feel like you've listen, we know we're never going to be WFAN. We know we're never going to be ESPN Radio, although we know we're better than them. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the fact that people have come on our show multiple times to hang out with us shows that they like being on our show and they yeah. want to be on our show.
2: Like looking Can like we- like I said, like we have we've had guys like Jake Asman, you know, we've, we've been with Jake for a long time now. Like we watched Jake go from you know the not the not that he would ever did anything bad but it's like he's on espn right now you know he hosted an afternoon drive show for espn you know guys like remember we had gordon damer yeah we had we have had gordon damer who i've been meaning to reach out to by the
1: way We've gordon had, damer was a fantastic interview
2: that was a great that yeah, gordon damer was fantastic and that was another one too where i was just like you know what let me reach out and he was like yeah sure i'll come on the show i was like Oh, crap. Like, I, because I, I like literally like enjoy it. whenever Gordon's on, like, when he do, when they do, uh, uh, Damer and Hardestine, H- H- Hardestine on ESPN tonight, I love that show. I'm a big Gordon Damer fan. Well, so my like, thing that. is, like,
1: my theory on it is any publicity for these guys is good publicity. Okay. Yeah. Any way they can help us is greatly appreciated. Okay. For example, look at one of our newest really good friends, Taylor Doll. Exactly. had two awesome interviews with Taylor Dahl. And we just go off on Urban Meyer, which is always my favorite part of the interview. <laughs> right? Even when we had Chrissy Freud. You know, Chrissy Freud's been on our show twice. And every, you know, we've talked a lot about the Titans. We've talked a lot about LSU. We've talked a lot about the Bengals. Because I think she covers the Bengals now. I don't know if she covers the Titans anymore. Or, you know, you, you know John Sheeran's another guy. Remember John? John Sheeran. Carl you know,
2: Stevenson, you know, even even our fans like Kim Moisa, she's always been always welcoming to come onto the show as well.
1: <laughs> Colin Stevenson is one of my favorites, by the way. Oh, he's so funny. That guy's a laugh riot.
2: But or another one, or another one that's been—it's—we didn't even. Our, our two of our favorites
1: have been Ike and Jamie. Have been yeah. longtime guys now. You know, if I—I I mean, listen—if I ever made it big and I needed a guy to do an intro, Jamie D'Amico is my first call. Just oh my God! Crazy like crazy. I,
2: I, I, want him to like, just, just like
1: narrate my life, like. Yeah, it, it, you would, you'd be like the most popular guy in the world if Jamie, like, <laughs> even though you don't do shit. <laughs> it's just, like oh, no,
2: you're absolutely right, but like, <laughs> no, but like you have Jamie do voiceovers for you. It's like,
1: whoa. Yeah, well, I was like, man, Clem's a fucking cool bastard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so unfortunately, like we said, Christine won't be able to make it, but you know, we really. We're, we're looking forward to having her on again. We're looking to shoot for maybe the October 11th episode of Moffat on the mic. So we'll hopefully, you know, be able to work that out and get our shit together, I guess. So, um, you know, just a few notes really quickly, you know, we were talking about the jets we were talking with Jake and my thing with the jets at the end of the day is this, um, I can forgive the fact that they're a young team. I can forgive the fact we have a new head coach. I can forgive the fact that we have a new general manager, that we, we have a general manager who's in the middle of his rebuild of the way he wants his team designed. What I can't forgive is just the fact that they just looked completely disinterested in playing. And it kind of contradicts Salah's motto, which bothers me because... I'm a firm believer that you have to chew guys out. Mm -hmm. These guys have to know who they're playing for. This is one of the things I always thought was the downfall of the Mets. Is that when the Mets start spiraling out of control, instead of really kind of turning the screws to these guys and doing whatever it takes to try to get a win, our manager just keeps trying to pretend like it's not a big deal. And you can't think like that all the time. Because you have to understand where you are. You're in New York, and to be honest, I'm I'm fucking sick of the Jets fans. I, there's no hope for these guys. There's just they're too miserable all the time. They enjoy the misery. They know they enjoy the misery. It's the only thing that makes them feel better about themselves at the end of the day. Okay, they are they do not see the forest for the trees. You see, I always set my expectations low for the for the Jets, because when I do that, I'm not that upset about it. I know what they are. I know they're a bad team. Until they prove to me otherwise, they are a bad football team. And the fact is, is that now we have the coach that we wanted, okay? And I feel like the first game I thought they were competitive. The second game, it was really all on Zach for having a poor game. Because I think even if you cut those turnovers in half, you could have a good shot to win that game. hmm but this game just bothered me on so many levels because, you know, all week long I heard, yeah, the guys are really chomping at the bit to get back out there and everything. And then you get that. Now, when a guy like Robert Sala says that at a press conference, I immediately say to myself, he's going to have these guys ready. Michael LaFleur says that he's going to have these guys ready to play. And they weren't ready to play. And that's the shit that pisses me off. I don't know what it is, but it's got to be fixed. And I'm sorry, this offensive line is a disaster. Yeah, I was,
2: you know, I was talking to one of my best friends about this today, who's a huge Jet fan. He's, he's logical like us, you know, he's not one of the guys who's ready to jump off the bridge yet. But he was saying that, like, you know, like, oh, even, you know, AVT stinks as an offensive lineman. I'm like, well, let's, let's give AVT some credit for a
1: you second. You can't kill AVT because- right now. He's, he didn't play the entire preseason – and this is his fourth game. Going into his fourth game as a starting guard, no, exactly.
2: Like he's, yeah, he didn't play the entire off season. Plus, yeah, his fourth game. And look at the guys are, who are around him. You know, you have George Fant who's playing out of position, let alone not even playing good. And then you have Connor McGovern who's also not playing good. So he's got a, he's got two dogshit players around
1: him. It, it, okay, it doesn't help. I get that part, Clem, and I and I don't disagree with you there. Yeah. My problem is, is that this is also not a line of just undrafted free agents either. Yeah. Morgan Moses was on the Washington football team last year. He was a pretty freaking decent line. Everybody wanted Douglas to go sign Morgan Moses. What are you waiting for? Why isn't Douglas going after Morgan Moses? And he signs Morgan Moses, and this is what we're getting right. Okay? Connor McGovern was a guy that a lot of people liked the signing, of, but he hasn't really panned out that well. He was better in week two than week three. Yes. He was better against the Patriots than he was against the Broncos. You know Van Roden has just been a disaster. Probably should have caught him. And here's the crazy part, Clem. My gut feeling what, told me that Cam Clark was going to be the starting guard this year. And when he heard I he, remember you saying that. I was convinced that Cam Clark was going to be the starting guard this year, that Van Roden was probably not even going to make the team, Because, And then when he got hurt and it, his, you know, his spinal cord got all fucked up, that was it. You know, there's nothing you could do. Everybody was signed. The draft had already taken place. What are you going to do? Mm -hmm. I mean, you can get on Douglas if you want, but you can't kill Douglas if guys are hurt. You know, that that's not his fault. He did. He didn't go out and deliberately hurt these guys. Okay. But I understand jet fans. They're frustrated. They're mad, you know, and everything. And What's, what's worrying me is, is that Salah, I'm not saying he's losing the team. That's way too extreme. But I don't know how he gets these guys focused for Sunday against Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill and A.J. AJ Brown may not play, but Julio Jones and everything. How do you get this, these guys focused on what the task at hand? Because what I saw out there on Sunday was a team that was undisciplined, unprepared. And just, like I said, disinterested. Justin Hardy with a stupid 15-yard penalty. Marcus May with a 15-yard penalty. The Jets are always killing themselves. And like I said, if that wasn't bad enough, Clement, you brought it up when you you called it to Jake. The fucking drop passes, I've had it. I am sick of these receivers dropping passes. Corey Davis drops three passes. Michael Carter drops two. Ty Johnson drops one. Braxton Berrios drops one. I mean, what the fuck,
2: man? I played I played football my whole life, you know, and one thing I've always said it, whether I was, you know, watching it as on game film or, you know, watching it as a Jets fan, if the ball hits your hands, I don't care if it's one-handed, I don't care if it's tipped ball or whatnot, the ball hits your hands, you have to go and catch it. That's it. There's no excuse. And there's no excuse for it in the NFL because – that's what you get paid to do. You get paid to run routes and catch the football. Look, I, maybe Zach's throwing it a little hard, but even, either way, there is no goddamn excuse as to why you're dropping these balls, and especially a veteran like Corey Davis. Corey Davis should know better. He should be, be better at catching these footballs. And
1: they're not. And it's crazy. And that's one of the things that worries me because, again, I, I mean, listen, this is the youngest roster in the NFL, I think, if I'm not mistaken. It could be wrong, but I think that's what the case is, okay? A young roster like this has no excuse not to show up on Sunday because you should be playing every game like your job is on the line. You should be playing every game like your life depends on. Like if you play like shit on Sunday, then Monday you're going to get cut. That's how a young team should be playing. Right. Every game. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter how bad you are. Doesn't matter what city you represent. That's how you should be playing every game. And I'm worried that this young team is going to start to lose confidence in themselves and they're going to start getting destroyed on a weekly basis. Look, and I get it's it. It's all you know, responsibility, and it's Mike LaFleur's responsibility to put these guys in the best situations to win i don't want to fucking hear it during the press conference i'm sick of listening to the daily press conferences where we hear this same shit over and over you are responsible and i love robert solo and i'm not jumping off the solo bandwagon one bit i'm not jumping off the michael floor bandwagon okay because i'll take them over what we had last year any day of the week and I understand that it's a growing, growing pains with coaching too because Salah's never been a head coach before and LaFleur's never been a play caller. But with all due respect, Clem, I think in some ways Adam Gase is correct. You don't, it's not that hard to call plays, mm-hmm. especially in this type of an offense. It's not that fucking hard. Stop making it more difficult than it needs to be. No, you're and right. Your guys are dropping passes. You need to fucking tear them a new asshole at halftime because it is inexcusable for Corey Davis, Braxton Berrios, all these receivers. Michael Carter should have had a fucking touchdown. He dropped that goddamn ball. All right. It is inexcusable for these guys to be dropping passes left and right all day. And if they catch those passes, that's what's going to make Zach Wilson a better quarterback.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But all the Jet fan sees is that he threw for 160 yards and he threw two picks. So they all think he sucks now. But there's so many other underlying problems with this team right now. The running game is hit or miss. 152 yards against the Patriots. Couldn't barely get past the line of scrimmage against the Broncos. Receivers are dropping passes. The offensive line isn't protecting. They're getting him killed. He's been sacked 15 times in three games. That is pathetic. And the other times that he wasn't got sacked, he's getting crushed back there.
2: Yeah. Like I, I like I I to, to a point with these young guys, I get it. You make there are some guys who make mistakes. I get that. You know, it happens, you're still new in the NFL. But at what point? Do you like? Look, you're you're a starter on this team for a reason. Elijah Moore, we we drafted you second in the second round for a reason. Calvin Gidry, we made you. We cut these guys because we think you can be a uh, a starter. All these things. It's like, what the hell's going on? Like, pick up your shit, act like a fucking leader, and let's go. Let's stop making these mistakes. Is we we put you guys here for a reason. We believe in you. Now now return us the favor and play like a New York Jet.
1: But here's the thing, Clem. I want Salah to start getting angry at these guys. Okay? They're embarrassing you. Go out, even if you got to tear some heads off, man. It's okay. I love what Quinn and Williams said yesterday. He basically called out the team. Said, you know, we got to stop making stupid mistakes. He called out the team. This is what you need. Which is absolutely what you need. Now, very simple. Go do that in the fucking locker. Those guys need to hear it because right now those young guys, again, a little complacent. They know nobody's challenging them right now. The Michael Carters and the Elijah Moores and everything, nobody's challenging those guys. You have to fucking make them understand what's at stake. You don't want to go into this game on Sunday against Tennessee and embarrass yourself again. Right. You don't want that. Not in front of this fan base. They'll boo you to fucking kingdom come. Because, you know, like Jake said, and I agree with Jake, you know, for the most part, they are tired. They're frustrated. You think I want to drive out to MetLife Stadium every Sunday with this, as a season ticket holder and go watch that and then got to live think about that all the way home while I'm stuck in traffic?
2: No, you no. don't oh, man. man. Like, and like Jake said, too, we're not – like the realistic Jet fans, we're not expecting wins. You know, we're not expecting any of that. What we're expecting as Jet fans is progress, and we're not even seeing that. That's the, that and that's the terrible part. Like, we see Zach Wilson not playing good, AVT not playing good, Elijah Moore and Corey Davis dropping passes, guys on defense making silly mistakes. It's like, what the hell is going on here?
1: I mean, I'm just, you know, again, I'm not – I still believe in the process. I think this 21 draft class is going to be, you know, I think they've shown a lot of potential. You know, Michael Carter looks like a steal in the fifth round. I'm talking about the secondary, not the running back. The running back's been fine, but again, it's a rookie. It's a rookie. I'm not going to kill the guy. Elijah Moore's dropping too many passes, though, after he was like the stud of the of training camp. Mm-hmm. Drops a huge one against Carolina. You know, it, it just can't happen. And then Corey yeah. Davis, our big ticket free agent, wide receiver, is dropping passes left and right. You know what, man? If you're having a fucking hard time catching the ball, then maybe you need to work harder after practice with the with the jugs machine or something. Work with Zach on routes. Work with Zach on you know timing. Do do something.
2: Yeah, because like everything we saw in the preseason and heard in the preseason, I get it. It's the preseason, but you know, like all the things we heard, like oh, Elijah Moore is looking fantastic. Corey Davis really looks like a number one wide wide receiver. Tyler Croft is looking good. Michael, uh, Michael Carter, the running back, is looking good. We're not seeing any of that now. So what the hell has changed?
1: And again, it's just like you know the twenty. To- I-, I won't. I won't give a failing grade to the twenty twenty draft class yet. I just can't. Neither will I. Unfortunately, they just haven't. I-, I hate to use this excuse, and I know Jet, the angry Jet fans, are going to just be like, "Oh, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about." The fact is, is these guys didn't have a lot to work with last year. You know, it was kind of funny is that last year when the 2020 draft class was struggling, it was Gase's fault. Mm-hmm. It wasn't their fault. It was Gase's fault. Now all of a sudden it's, oh, it's typical, you know, stupid draft class is terrible and everything. They've barely seen the field. Yeah. I mean, I can't judge this draft class yet until they, I get enough games out of that. And I'm sorry, for me, it's three years before I can make a really, really strong Decision on if I think this draft class is good or not. And you know what? I'm okay with Salah wanting to turn Denzel Mims into a, you know, into a, you know, an all-around receiver. That's fine, but he should be out on the field though.
2: Yeah, like like Jake said, he should be playing the like posi- the, the running the routes he knows. We should be designing I'm special go tracks. routes.
1: Yeah. You said going a go route,
2: because last year Gase Gase and and uh, Dowell Loggins were able to find out find plays from when he played. And in those games, we we're like, oh, shit, Denzel Mims looks pretty
1: decent. Yeah. He catches big po- He catches passes. I mean, but again, I see what they're trying to do, and I'm okay with that. But you can't tell me that Denzel Mims is a better receiver than Jeff Smith. You can't. You just can't do that. I'm not buying it. And you know what? You want to light a spark for this offense on Sunday? Activate Denzel Mims. Yeah. Deactivate Braxton Barrios. They're going to make you inactive because you fucking drop passes. Make Elijah Moore inactive. You know, listen. You want to. You want to play? Catch the damn ball. That's it. You got to hold these guys accountable. Like, no one wants to hold players accountable. Players are so goddamn sensitive. Like they just don't know how to take it as a challenge. Right. And the crazy part is I'm reading yesterday like oh the jets have turned down multiple trade offers for Denzel Mims. Yeah, because he has no value. Why am I going to trade a 7 trade Denzel Mims for a 7th round pick? Yeah, he doesn't I, prove he's it. got no value. He's got zero value whatsoever. He hasn't proven anything yet. Douglas is smart. One thing about Joe Douglas is I think he's a very smart general manager. Yes. Okay. He knows he's not going to get into a bidding war for certain players. He knows the type of player he wants. But the thing is, if you're going to go out there and tell everybody that these guys love football, they eat, sleep, breathe, and shit football, that's fine. I need to see it on the field. I can't just take your word for it. Yeah. So while I'm, I'm all for the rebuild, I'm all for this, I'm all for, you know, even if it means getting another top five pick next year, you know, fine. Seattle lost yesterday. They're one and two. So that is kind of a decent thing as well. The fact is, is right now, I don't like the fact that this team is not showing up prepared, motivated, okay? This is the thing I said about the Mets when Jake was on. The one thing I will never understand about the New York Mets baseball team this year, it shows their immaturity, it shows no fucking leadership on their roster or anything, and their manager's a fucking idiot, Okay? You take two out of three in the subway series against the Yankees and you do it in like just a crazy fashion when Lindor hits the third home run of the, of the night. It's his third home run of the night. Basically says to Stanton, yeah, well, fuck you. I just beat you three to two. How about that? What's up? Okay. You win that game. And it never dawns on them. Hey, guys, you know, we just took two out of three from a really good Yankee team. Let's go. Let's make a fucking run, man. Let's go. And what happens? They get their asses handed to them by St. Louis. All three games. They get shut out the day after they beat the Yankees. Like, why are they not up to play these games? That's my concern. Where is the motivation? Where's the motivation, Clem? Like for the Jets. You just got your asses kicked by the Patriots in week two at home. You were embarrassed in front of your fan base who hasn't seen a game at MetLife stadium in two years. And you lose 25 to six. How do you not take that fucking anger and go into Denver and just beat the shit out of somebody? Like how, like, I don't understand what am I missing? All I know is if I was on the sideline of that and I watched that game, I would have broken my headset. I would have probably broken three headsets. Because, again, the Broncos are not that good. They're not bad, but they're not great. They're not great with Teddy Bridgewater. You got beat by fucking Teddy
2: Bridgewater. And and, and that's the other thing, too. You know, we're talking about, you know, yeah, we got beat by Teddy Bridgewater. The defense can only do so much. And the defense, relatively speaking,
1: has – looked pretty good so far, you know? Like, where's the scheming for, like, Sam? Sam Donald was a member of the Jets for fucking three years. Are you telling me you don't have any footage of Sam to see what he can do? Like, you don't watch tape of what he does? I mean, like, but this is exactly what I mean. And I expect this. I expect the Jets to be slow out of the gate. I said it when we were before the season start. I said I expect them to be a young team that's going to make mistakes. They're going to, you know, they're going to, you know, they might be a little timid to make moves because they're afraid they're going to get penalized or whatever. They, you know, they might see more pass interference type penalties and all that stuff, but as the season progresses, they'll get better. And in week three, you know, I agree with Samini. I think they've regressed a little bit.
2: You saw like, you know week one, yeah, they came out real slow, they came out dead, and you saw it pick up in the second half. It's like, oh shit, they look pretty good. Zach Wilson looks pretty good, the defense looks pretty good. And you're like, okay, this is what this is the game we wanted to see. Could we have won that game? Yeah. Am I disappointed we lost? Absolutely not, because you saw fight from the Jets at the end of that game. Week two comes around, it's like, Oh, we made a lot of mistakes that you know it kind of like defeated us a little bit. And then we go into week three against the Broncos. It's like we weren't even there. Like they were, they were, they were like they came in half alive. And it's like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, and that's the frustrating part as Jet fans. I think that's why me, you, Jake, and everyone else who's a logical jet fan is like, what the hell's coming on? It's like they didn't even come here to play. It's just like they're just going through the motions. You didn't see any fight.
1: And the thing is, like, again, and I get the Jet fan frustration, man. I really do. I totally get it. And I just think that look, I can only put my confidence in Robert Solomon. Because this fan base is going to run them out of town. Mm-hmm. Because, I, I'm sorry, the Johnsons listen to the fan base. I know they do. I know they listen to sports radio. I know they, list, they, read the back, they read the back pages of all the fucking headlines. And I'm telling you, I really think that, you know, Douglas, I mean, if Douglas doesn't get this team improved by next year, like, really, really improved, I think Douglas could get canned. I think, you know...
2: Douglas made it seem not made it seem, but like he sold us on his bill of goods. Like we're on a rebuild, we're on a rebuild. And like I said, no, as any logical jet fan came into the season. Yeah. We're not going to be good. Maybe five wins, six wins most, you know, but that's the thing though. Like we're not even seeing like fight out of this team. And that's what we expected as jet fans to see, see some fight, see progression from Zach Wilson, see progression from AVT, Michael, Michael Carter, both Michael Carter's, Galvin Gidry, Bryce Hall, all these young so, guys,
1: and that's the thing, though. Salah, because honest to God, and I'm going to make this right now: if Zach Wilson, I pray to God he's not a failure in New York. If Zach Wilson fails in New York, the Jets should never draft a rookie quarterback ever again. Mm-hmm. Because one thing I've learned over the years with the Jets is that they've fared better with veteran quarterbacks than they have with rookies. It's true. Sanchez had two good years with the, under Rex, and then after that, completely fell off a cliff. But here's the crazy part when they had Josh McCown, they were a competent offense. Bro, I love Josh McCown. When they had Ryan Fitzpatrick, they were a competent offense.
2: Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick and McCown will always have a place in my heart as a Jets fan. You know, when they had like, Brett
1: Favre, they were a competent offense. Mm hmm. I mean, yeah, was Pennington a good quarterback? Yeah, I thought he was a great quarterback. You know, I mean, he couldn't throw a deep ball, but he was I mean, but when, when he broke his wrist in the preseason game, that was pretty much you know at the beginning of the end. Well, look, even look, you talk about veteran quarterbacks. Look at Testaverde when he came to the Jets. Yeah. Testaverde is probably the greatest quarterback since Namath. Yeah, I mean, think about that. That's Over how. Asaisen too. Asaisen was okay. O'Brien, I thought, was better believe it or not. I actually thought O'Brien was better than A Esiason was kind of on the downside of his career by then. But I mean, again, though, I, I, the Jets just do not do a good job developing these quarterbacks. Sanchez should still be in the league right now, Clint. Yeah. You know what he's doing now? He's, he's an analyst for Fox. Good for him, though. <laughs> his, career, his career just, you know, it's done. Rex didn't <laughs> think he needed to develop him. Anymore that he had made the championship game. So his, he hit his peak. He was the second quarterback taken in that draft right behind Matt Stafford. Look, Stafford's still playing. And he was on the Lions. But those are the things that frustrate me. And like I'm getting annoyed because I just something good has to happen to this team already. Just like I said about the Mets. You know, the one thing that frustrates me about the Mets is that they make trades that we like. They sign players that we like and everything. Fans want these guys. The Mets go out and get them. And then they come to New York and they suck. Lindor didn't really have a great first season in New York. McCann was terrible in New York. Everybody's favorite whipping boy who's actually been one of the better players on the team is Edwin Diaz. Edwin Diaz hasn't really been a bad pitcher. Yeah, he's blown his saves. I'm not saying, you know, he hasn't. It's not Mariano Rivera. But... You know, his ERA is like 3.5, which is normal. And he's got 30 saves on the season. The Mets don't put him in enough situations to close games because they suck. Every time they just, you know, they, they, you know, the Jets make a, you know, Carl Lawson. Keelan Cole, Corey Davis, you know, drafting Zach Wilson, trading up to get Elijah Tucker, drafting Elijah Moore. And what happened? LaMarcus Joyner was another signing I like. And and let's see what happens. Lawson ruptures his Achilles. Joyner tears his tricep muscle or something like that. He's out for the season. Jared Davis out until at least week six. Zach's getting killed behind a crappy offensive line again. Elijah Moore is dropping passes. It's frustrating.
2: It really is because we know – what we were sold on at the beginning of the season, like I, and I'll keep saying it over and over again, because this is what we were sold on. We were sold on, yeah, we may not be the best team out there, but we're going to fight. You're going to see progress. We got all these young guys and everything like this, like signing guys like Corey Davis and, and whatnot. We drafted AVT and we drafted uh, Elijah Moore and Michael Carter and so on and so on. And we're not seeing what we were told. We're not seeing that. We're not seeing a fight. We're not seeing the progress we were promised. And that's the
1: frustrating thing because we know this team could be good. And, again, I've just had like, – like, this is why I don't really watch games. And thank God my friend gave me her Sunday ticket password. I just watched Sunday ticket. Yeah. yeah. I was watching it. the Seahawks game for a while because it was a better game. It was just I'm not going to sit and watch the Jets if they're not going to at least put in an effort.
2: Yeah. It was, it was tough, man. It really is tough to watch, especially because, like I said, And it was was the same thing when we had Darnold
1: and he was struggling. It was like, we know this team could be better, but they're not. And the thing is, Clem, is that it's tough because, you know what, they have – you know, they do have to change the culture of the franchise, even though I think culture is an overrated freaking term. Mm -hmm. okay. But the fact is, is like – and I know it's not going to change overnight, but something's got to give, man. I don't understand how you can go from a 25-6 to beatdown, go into Mile High Stadium – And lose 26 to nothing and just not even show up. How do you not want to get that taste out of your mouth of getting your ass kicked by New England and Belichick for the 50th time? Those are the things that frustrate me more than anything. It's not the fact that the team is, you know, the team is young and they're inexperienced. We have a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach and a rookie offensive coordinator. That's fine. But the one thing I cannot figure out for the life of me with this team is how you can allow yourself to get pushed around by the New England Patriots in your first home game in front of fans in two years, okay, with an offense that, quite frankly, is worse than Adam Gase's. And then in week three, when you just want to go out there and beat the piss out of Denver because of, you know, you just want to get that taste of New Eng- the, the New England loss out of your mouth, you get your ass kicked by Denver worse than you did against New England. That's got to be fixed. Sala's got to fix it. He's got to figure out a way. If you got to yell and scream at them, then you fucking yell and scream at them. I don't care what your philosophy has been in the past. They have to buy into what you're selling. Mm-hmm. And we know he's a great motivator. He's a great this and great that. And, I, and I, like I said, I am, I'm psyched to have Robert Sala as my head coach. But I don't see that motivation. Right. And I'm worried now. Now I'm worried. I'm worried that my quarterback is going to become David Carr because he's just getting destroyed behind the fucking offensive line. Why isn't this offensive line getting taken to task?
2: Even worse, you know, he, he could be like an Andrew Luck situation, unfortunately. Yeah. It could be. I mean, he hasn't gotten injured, thank God, but you keep getting him hit, unfortunately. Only a matter of time. If he, I mean, exactly. If, yeah, if
1: he keeps getting hit like this. So we'll see what happens with Sunday. I mean, look. At the end of the day, I'm all in for the rebuild. I I mean, there are some there are some bright spots. You know, Quinton Williams had a big game yesterday, which I was happy to see. I was getting a little worried about him too, kind of getting to a slow start. But you know, they're getting after the quarterback. They got to try to force more turnovers. They don't. This team never forces turnovers, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and they got to stop the stupid penalties, man. Mm -hmm. They're terribly undisciplined. They're undisciplined. And they're showboating, and fucking. they're fucking 0-3. Justin Hardy's taunting for 15 yards. I mean, come on, man. You, especially when you know the, ra- the referees are going to call it. The referees going to call that every time. It's like, wake up, dude. But like I said, on the bright side, Seattle also lost. So anytime Jamal loses a game, I'm very happy. I'm actually surprised at Jamal that they were, play- they were so bad against Minnesota. That defense stinks. It's not good. It's another week with almost 500 yards of total offense. They stink. They're not good.
2: We've been saying this since last year. defense is highly overrated.
1: Yeah. Like, Russell Wilson is phenomenal. I mean, he's a great player. DK Metcalf's a stud. They have the offensive weapons, but, man, that defense is just brutal. And now they're going into a big game against the 49ers on Sunday. A big divisional game right off the bat after you're 1-2. and And I'm sure the 49ers are not going to be happy about you know, after they lost to Green Bay as time expired. Yeah. So, all right, anything else before we get out of here?
2: Yes, two things. First, um, did you watch
1: Extreme Rules last night? I did not, and I will not. Yeah, it didn't, I mean. Because I knew there were going to be no title changes, and, yeah, Sasha Banks came back, whoop-de-freaking-do. I don't care.
2: She looked real good last night. I
1: I don't like heel Becky Lynch. I'm not a fan. I don't like the whole over the pole they're,
2: they're, they're, try, they're trying to force her to be a heel. Uh, and yeah. it's, like, it's like the same thing kind of when like Stone Cold and they wanted to make Stone Cold a heel, but it just didn't work because every, he was just so over. Yeah, That's what, exactly not, what they it, it is here.
1: You can never come out with the fucking red fur coat all you want. Ain't going to mean shit. I'm telling you right now, you're better off turning Bianca Belair heel than yeah. Becky Lynch.
2: You'll no, have yeah, it'll be
1: easier for you to turn Bianca Belair as a heel.
2: But it was a, just an old... I didn't watch the main event. But it was an eh. Pay-per-view wasn't. I have no desire to watch it. None. I don't blame you. I don't blame you whatsoever. Um,
1: I've been catching that's... up on my NXT, though. NXT's been good. I'm liking NXT. I'm liking the. I, I liking like the NXT. new set. I don't love the whole watercolor thing. I think that's kind of stupid. Yeah. They they could have uh, kept it the same, yeah. Um, the only thing I'm not a fan of with NXT. Let me see. I think there's, first of all, there's way too many new guys being introduced at the same time. So that's a little bit confusing. Yeah. I love the fact that Ciampa won the title. Oh, my God. So good. What scares me is right now is I could see them making Pete Dunne and Rich Holland a tag team. And I think that's a big mistake. So there's that. I, I, I don't hate it. I like a lot of the move. I like, you know, I like it overall. I love the, I love Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis. That's like my new favorite. They're like my favorite. Love Index. I'm a big Index fan. If they do anything to mess that up, that'll just be textbook WWE. Um, You know, there's a lot of good things that like about NXT. Um, NXT UK I like a lot because NXT UK focuses more on wrestling.
0: Yeah,
1: they don't really do like the corny storylines and everything. They just really focus on matches. The only thing I don't like is, again, it's just the nonstop interference in WWE matches drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. Roderick Strong and Kushida put on a really good match, and of course it's got to be fucking in an interference. So how can you sit there and say that the Diamond Mine are the greatest wrestlers and running NXT when all they do is interfere in matches for Roderick Strong? It's a little tough for me to believe Roderick Strong to be this phenomenal mat wrestler if he's getting help from like four different people. So you know but again that's just that's just wwe they're never going to change that shit
2: no you're right but but nxt has been i'm liking what what they're doing right now and i'm 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 all behind the 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 2.0
1: movement um this saturday night i will be returning to the broadcast booth for the junior islanders so i'm pretty excited about that so i've been doing all my homework and um i'm reading up on the uh islanders junior team and apparently it's pretty much a rebuilding year for them. So it's going to be, it's a lot of young guys and not really veteran, you know, like veterans of this division is like 19 years old kind of thing. But um, I'm really excited because I actually really enjoyed it and I was sorry that I wasn't, I could, we couldn't do it last year because of COVID, but I'm pretty psyched to do it again. I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's on hockey TV. So um, yeah. So I'll be doing uh, my first game this Saturday night. PAL junior Islanders against the New York aviators. And, um, if anybody has hockey TV, check it out.
2: No, so. That's good. That's good. And I want to just, you know, my last thing before we get out of here, I want to just, you know, over the weekend over this past weekend, I actually, you know, my original mentor when I was at LIU taught me, you know, many things that I know happened to pass away in the middle of the night, had a heart attack. And I just want to give my, you know, condolences to his family And, you know, prayers and and everything I can under the sun, because, you know, his name was Brian Marback. He's the he was the host of the show we had at LIU at our radio station, Review and Preview, which is now, you know, taken over by one of my good friends, one of my fraternity brothers, Tom Scavetta. And, you know, Brian was, you know, he he for all the guys who went to LIU, you you went you made your way if you were trying to do sports radio there or, you know, commentating with the teams and everything you, you went through Brian for advice, you know, and he was, again, my original mentor when I first met Brian, he was very welcoming. When I used to do the show there with him, it was, it was just a very, you know, very like welcoming feeling. And he, he helped me a lot, you know, in starting out as a, you know, broadcast major, as a, as a radio guy, you know, doing what we do now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, we wouldn't be where we are now without, you know, Brian's help, you know, and I just want to, again, send my condolences and my prayers to Brian, you know, that he may he rest in peace and send my, my heart, my love and everything out to his family and whatnot. I just had to say that before we ended this show.
1: Hey, man that's really good, man. That's really important. And uh, I'm glad you used the time to pay respects to, you know, somebody who meant a lot in your life. And, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's good. So when we got the, when I, when I got the text about it from
2: my friend, Tom, you know, I was just like, he had un- unfortunately had a heart attack in, in the middle of the night. It was it was tough because, you know, he was he was a pretty young guy, maybe like 50s about. I don't know his exact age. But again, like I wouldn't we wouldn't be what we were doing. I probably would have never met you at worldwide or the show that should not be named. <laughs> I would have never met you there if it wasn't for, you know, my introduction to Brian in that radio station. And, you know, look where we are now, three, three years down the road after we first met and we're doing, we're doing this on our, on our own thing, you know? And I I
0: just never got the
1: day when we both left together. Oh, that was, that was great. You were so, they thought you were going to stick around and everything. And I'm like, I told you, I was like, look, you do what you got to do. I said, I'm just done. So, and like, you're like, yeah, I'm out. (laughs) It's like deuces. (laughs) <laughs> so, like, that could have I, been the funniest thing ever
2: yeah like I, like I said i wasn't doing the show i wasn't doing it because i knew exactly what was going to happen to me if i stayed there and i was just like yeah i am not. I don't want to do that and i was like if craig's going i'm going so deuces i just but remember again, like
1: I, I just remember talking to you about it i said look you do what chris klim wants to do like i'm just telling you i'm not in it i'm not telling you to leave with me if you want to stay you're more than welcome to stay you know you've been a big part of my show but It's totally up to you if you want to go. And I remember like you texted me the next day. Yeah, it's my last day too. (laughs) So it's like, okay. But again,
2: like I would have never gotten to that point if it wasn't for my introduction, meeting Brian, you know, getting me warm into the, into the radio field, you know, being on review and preview. And I want to give a shout out to, again, my friend, Tom Scavetta, my fraternity brother for continuing his show, you know, even after it's Brian funny you mentioned that, because I
1: saw that they're looking for podcasters. Yes, they know are. You, you know, if you ever is, I don't know if you ever use their platform or not, but
2: I, I, I haven't texted Tom, but in a while, and I really should because, you know, Tom, he's very good, very knowledgeable. He works with uh, NBC sports. So I gotta, I gotta shoot him a more, more text. on like, you know, and he's a huge Giants fan and a Notre Dame fan, by the way. Yeah. but again a, sh- a, sh- a good shout out to him as well because you know he's con- he's going to continue on brian's legacy with the review and preview show and again i wouldn't be here some of the guys some of my, my dear friends at liu wouldn't be where they are if it wasn't for you know brian if it wasn't for us going through
1: him and him basically mentoring us for our time at at liu awesome man that was pretty that was an awesome speech seriously you know you always want to Always pay respects to the people who got you where you are, mm-hmm. and uh, that's definitely a positive thing. And may he rest in peace. You know, it's gut wrenching sometimes. You know, it is. It, 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 it
2: Like I said, like I. It's not like you know, like me and Brian were never like close. Like me and you, like we're we Chloe text all the time and everything like that. But Brian was, like I said, Brian was able to, you know, oh, teach me some things. Like on.
1: I text,
2: you don't necessarily I, I, I'm answer. So, I'm I'm so bad at texting. I'm like. So I'm like I'm like, what the fuck? It's like you, dude, it's, we're going on the air in two hours. Where's You're where not it? the only one. I can promise you that it's not. It's not you. It's everyone. And it's this right. is for all my friends who 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 I like. I don't answer back or whatever. I'm so sorry because I'm just the worst. I person. mean, I just have to call bullshit on that. That's all. Like you know. But go ahead. Now but you, but you, you know. But things. you know what I'm saying. Like you know, it's not like me and you. But like I said, Brian was able to teach me. You know, anytime I was coming into the show, or any other time I was coming into LIU. Or even when I, you know, was able to do my uh, broadcasting, like when I did play-by-play and color commentary for the football team, like Brian helped me with such a big help with that. And I just want to say, you know, thank you to him and rest in peace and giving all my condolences to his family and, and loved ones.
1: All right. Well, on that note, we are going – that'll do it for the Moffat on the Mic show for this Monday night. And we'd like to thank everybody for checking us out. We'd like to thank, of course, the one and only Jake Asman for hanging out with us. Making us feel better about ourselves for being Jets fans, and uh, always taking the time because Jake's, you know, Jake's been on a roll, man. Between the yes. ESPN show, his YouTube shows, has got, you know, his YouTube channel is over 7,000 subscribers right now. He puts out a lot of awesome Jets content with some really awesome special guests, Jets reporters, bloggers, you know, all those social media guys and everything. So uh, we always look forward to having him on the show. We always appreciate him taking the time to come hang out with us and everything. And uh, we, are, we do apologize for anybody who was hoping to see uh, Christine Wen on today, but unfortunately she had a little bit of a scheduling conflict and she was unable to join us at our 10:15 spot, but that's okay. We still love her. We still want her to be a part of the show and we always look forward to having her on and we can't wait to have her on again in the future. We're looking at possibly not next Monday, but the following Monday, which I think would be Columbus Day. Mm-hmm. So um, that could be it. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens there. But again, you know, we appreciate Christine also taking time out to hang out with us. And uh, we're sorry we couldn't make it happen today, but we will do it very soon. Clem, thank you for holding it down like you normally do. Uh, you can follow the show, as always, on Instagram at off on the Mic and on my Facebook page as well. You can follow Clem and the A1 Sports Network on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. On behalf of Clem, of this is Craig. Everybody, wherever you are, stay safe. Have a great rest of the week. We will be back next Monday night, probably 8 o'clock start time like we always do. And uh, that's it. So everybody have a great week. Stay safe. Back again next Monday night. Take it easy.